Julian Morales. Yep. How you doing, dude? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, no, it's it's cool that we finally got to do something like this because, you know, every time we've met, rather virtually or in person, you know, you're, you know, when you go to film festivals and stuff, you know, there, there's a handful of people that you kind of connect with more than the others. And I felt like every time we've been in a situation where there's at a festival or a virtual meet and greet or whatever, that we've always kind of had uh, similar wavelengths of thought and, you know, just a general admiration for film. So I'm really glad that you were able to come on and talk with me, bro. So thanks again. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me on. And I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Like, uh, I think the first time we met was the 2018 Hollywood Florida Film Festival, because you were there for Imperium, right? That's the right. name? Okay, I didn't mm -hmm. get that wrong, because I love that film. We're going to talk about it later. But uh, I, because I remember I was there, and uh, your screening was at, like, this nice little restaurant venue. Right. And uh, it screened, because, like, something that I, because that was the first film festival that I'd ever gotten into. And I... Was looking around and i was actually shocked because there was a lot of people who were like and i don't mean this in an insulting way but it was a lot of people who were like have a lot more years than i do yeah and i was like oh wow like because I, I don't know what i was thinking i was kind of like oh it's going to be like people in their 20s and it wasn't and i was <laughs> like oh shit. so like i immediately got like intimidated when i was there because i was like oh man these people have been doing this for years and ah oh, shit and and then uh yeah so i saw you and i was like okay i'm not the only child here and uh you know and then I, I saw your film i saw the screening because like uh i was with my former producing partner and when um electric dreaming came up like that the name of your production company i was like this guy likes blade runner so we got to meet him and, then, <laughs> and then, uh the film screened and it was such a great film it was awesome and uh, I think the first thing I said is I went up to you and I was like, you must be a Blade Runner fan. And then immediately it was, <laughs> it was off. So yeah, so that, that was a fun night. That was a fun screening. And uh, yeah, no, do, do you have any particular member? Oh, I mean, I know a member you're going to bring up. You fucking won best director, but uh, <laughs> you know, any particular fun memories or fun times while you were at that first uh, Hollywood Florida festival? I remember being in the audience when you won best actor but but um yeah uh but I, it's funny that you bring that up the whole thing with the uh, the age difference because i was thinking the same thing because I, I thought like maybe you know there'd be some other you know college age students but then it was just you and then everyone else yeah like like everyone else was like yeah like i don't mean this in insult to me everyone else was middle age and i was the only mm -hmm. one that was like in their 20s in college and uh, and then everyone like had like more like professional mm -hmm. like um that a more professional production yeah exactly yeah yeah and then me i was i was working on this like micro indie budget that i paid out of my own pocket and i'm yeah. like do you even stand a chance and uh <laughs> so yeah i remember that being kind of nerve-wracking and uh but yeah i mean i remember that i remember us meeting and uh i remember yeah it was just like this really great night and it was my first film festival too so i didn't realize it was yours also but mm -hmm. um yeah, I just remember that it was it was a good night and also very nerve-wracking because I, I had never shown it to anyone besides like, you know, my family or friends before. So mm -hmm. it was like I was like carrying in my seat when it was <laughs> playing, but it did it did you know it did pretty good. So yeah, I'm happy yeah, no, that. I 
No, I, I, I know the feeling because uh, at the time I was working in a uh, kitchen, like a movie theater kitchen, and uh, I would have my phone on the counter, which you're obviously not supposed to do, but I had my phone on like the counter away from the food, anyone listening, and uh, they, I would get emails and it would just be like another like film freeway rejection. And I'd be like, ah, oh, damn it. Uh, I'd like wipe it off. And then I'd go back to cooking. Yeah. And then one day it went off and it was like Hollywood Florida Film Festival. Like you're in. And I was like, oh. and I like, freaked out in the kitchen. I was yeah. like, yes, finally. And then uh, we, we, you know, we got to go. We got to do the whole thing. Uh, winning best actor. That was very kind of them. It was very undeserving <laughs> because <laughs> I, like I, you, when you watch all those films, like there were so many great actors there. And what, what, what I think it is, I think I fooled them. Because when I got there, I was just like this deer in headlights, like, oh my God, I'm at a film festival. Like, wow, this is so great. It's so nice yeah. to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And then they watched the movie and I'm like this stoic, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. think they Full were like. Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they were just like, yeah. wow. <laughs> and so uh, that, that was such a surprise and it was awesome. And uh, I was happy when you won Best Director because of, your film was directed amazingly. And uh, speaking, uh, we're going to talk about your films and my films and just film in general, you know, while you're here, but um, go into a little bit about uh, Imperium and just, you know, do you have any, like, what inspired you to tell that story? You know, were there any fun behind the scenes type things that happened that, or a problem you ran into where you wouldn't have even known in the final product unless you pointed it out, you know, something like that? Uh, well, uh, well, as you mentioned before, uh, it's actually a big running, it was a big running joke when I was in film school that I was this massive Blade Runner nerd that was obsessed with it. And I kept bringing it up and I kept uh, pulling it into my projects and everyone was like, can you like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, try to, infl you know, like watch something else or whatever. But, um, <laughs> but Blade Runner is just my favorite and it still is. Um, so that, so yeah, so watching that, um, it did inspire me from the get-go because when I saw Blade Runner for the first time, it, it was that was the movie that made me go like, yeah, I want to direct movies. Besides being in film school, because when I went to film school, I didn't know that that's what I wanted to do. But it was basically a combination of those two things that I was like, yeah, th I think this is what I want. Okay, so that was that. And then I saw Ex Machina for like the, the 10 billionth time. And, but I noticed something different on that that day when I saw it that time. Because um, I don't know if you remember the movie, like, you know, like by heart, but there's the, the this like side character in the movie, uh, Kyoko, that's, um, that's like, uh, spoiler, that's also an android in the film. And mm -hmm. I started paying attention to her character more this time when I was watching it. And I kind of noticed that like, her story is like, super interesting, because like, you know, if you hadn't seen the film, she's basically an android that's created by Oscar Isaac's character and it seemed like it seems like she's just there to be like her housemate or just her sex doll basically mm -hmm. and and like it kind of seemed like she's not really okay with that and she's kind of was finding trying to find a way out of that and I thought that was really interesting and really dark and twisted and I thought like that would make a really good short film if I could you know do that so then after that I started writing it and I wrote it with uh my best friend, uh, Miles, we wrote it together and uh, we spent like all like, I think it was the, the spring, like we were just writing it together. 
And then after that, um, I finished uh, film one, uh, which is like the, the first term of uh, film school for me, where mm-hmm. we learned like the production and all that. And that was when I got the bug. And then I was like, you know, let me see if I really like this. So basically during the summer, uh, in between uh, terms, I decided that I wanted to, you know, make a short film outside of film school to see if it was something that I really wanted to do. And it, then I ended up liking it. And, you know, then we made it. Uh, so basically it was the inspiration was, uh, was like a combination of Blade Runner and Ex Machina, which is very apparent when you watch it. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, making it, uh, it was good. It was good overall looking back on it although it was this very stressful production because um i only had a weekend to shoot it at um at a a car dealership that my that my dad uh worked at as in like my t department so i was able to gain access to like one of their private rooms for like uh conferences and then also like uh, the it department themselves where i was able to get into like their like server room which was really cool and um so, so we had this time constraint because we had to shoot after they closed up. So we only had like from like nine to 12 and it was only for a weekend. So we had that like, you know, like, you know, the clock was ticking all the time. So it was kind of stressing me a bit, but uh, I tried to not let it get to me too much. But what ended up getting to me a bit more was that I just got way too much equipment and got way too much crew for this thing that is you know that should have been really simple to make and looking back on it and if I would have done it again I would have done it differently and um you know not to blame any, anyone but because it was me because I was the one saying like oh give me more give me more give me more equipment give me all these people because I thought that that's what I needed mm-hmm. and it just like really like slowed down production because of like everything that I was trying to uh basically keep an eye on or or try to like you know stay like uh, on top of because like on the first day I remember specifically because it was really defeating for me that we were supposed to get uh three scenes done and instead we only got like three shots done in three hours and I'm, not, I was like, I'm not laughing at you I'm just like no I, know no, the, I, I, laugh at, I no, know no. the pain of like that yeah. happening it's horrible yeah, it was it was terrible. I was like, I think we should stop. <laughs> but but you know, but I kept going and and then the next days I had to, you know, really like, you know, stress the fact that we only had a you know a limited amount of time and we had to move quickly. And then after that, then we were able to get more done. And then um and then the thing I learned, well, besides what I just said that like, you know, not getting too much stuff for something that's you know simple or short, but I learned during that shoot because on the last day my like most of my crew for whatever reason you know maybe you know as I was I don't know but um they all arrived late like an hour late and I couldn't you know wait for them so I had to just you know and you know thankfully I already started shooting uh at a different location for uh for the scene that was like the flashback where mm-hmm. it was like on like at a park so I was already shooting that and I arrived and, you know, they were all late and I couldn't wait. So I had all the equipment. So I just basically did it all myself with some of the additional uh, casts that they weren't, you know, being filmed for those scenes. They were there like basically as the crew, like two other people, basically. And when we were shooting for that hour, 
we got so much done. Like, I think we got a, th a third of the work done just in an hour. And that was when I realized like, oh, I got, like for, for me personally, like I don't need like a, a truckload of equipment. I don't need, you know, like droves of people. I could just do it with like two or three extra people or one other person. So from then on, that was how, I, that's how I started running my productions. Like, you know, very simple, very micro budget and minimal equipment and like a skeleton crew. Mm -hmm. Like most of the time now I, I well, like the, the past few films that the past couple I've done, I've only had one, one other person as crew basically. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I, I mean, I know like, you know, not everyone, you know, can do that. But for me, I just found it very liberating and, you know, just works for me for like the projects that I do. Yeah, no, I, I completely see that. I completely know what you mean. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up of just like, you know, you get defeated when you have like one thing planned and then you yeah. see what actually gets done. And then not only that, but uh, maybe you learned the same thing. Cause like when I, when I was in, when I did film school, it was very like, I'm not trying to disparage film school. But yeah. there are tons of things that I learned where I'm like, I'm so glad that someone taught me that. And then there's tons of things that I was told where it's like, I'm glad they told me that because now I know to never listen to that. And uh, <laughs> one of the things was, you know, one of the early things at the gate is I had a professor tell me like, never ever make movies with your friends. Mm. And, and like on paper, like when they were mentioning that, I was like, oh yeah, like I, I can see how that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah all of my films have been made with my friends and, 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 <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it's yeah. not and it's not out of like oh i'm only ca i'm only casting them or only having them work behind the scenes because they're my friends but it's just because they've earned that that skeleton crew trust like that ragtag team trust to where right. like if these guys are around me i know that the film is gonna it's gonna be better because they're right. here and because they're helping like sometimes uh, i had a really good friend of mine who worked on one of our films who just hung out like mm. just like wow because like it was a that was when we were making contrition which you know they had one person in the cast and it really wasn't much but i had people there just to be there and it's just because mm. sometimes i operate better when my like my, my team is around me and mm. you know uh you know because i have an amazing cinematographer who you know i'm with the contrition specifically he on he was on the lights he was like this is how this shit runs nobody touch it and it was just <laughs> how, how he was doing it and then uh i had a bunch yeah. of people standing around and i felt bad but i was just like hey like if you guys don't have anything better to do I, i'd like for you to stick around just because it just i makes me more comfortable and mm. so you know just the fact that i have crew even willing to do that you know like why would i ever not use them like it doesn't make sense to not like use your friends in that way um you know and uh speaking of like filming troubles when we did no more safe haven which was the film that was at the imperium festival right uh horrible title we literally <laughs> we literally like i made that as like a filler title and uh -huh. then we got the whole crew together and we're like all right everyone write down 10 titles and we're going to use the best one and for whatever reason none of us thought of one that like because we didn't want it to be too on the nose and we didn't want it to you know so we were just like oh fuck it i guess i guess no more safe haven. <laughs> yeah. and then uh but when we were filming that i got to utilize a conference room but it was uh at ucf i was part of a club and like the club was off campus 
in this building. And so I asked the person who owned the building, I was like, hey, like I'm, I'm trying to make like an independent film. Can we film in there? And they said, sure. But I was like, all right, I'm going to be open and honest with you about some stuff, though, because like it's there's violence. There's it's all this. fight scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm not going to break anything. I'm not going to do none of that. It's just, um, you know, and he was like, well, just don't like associate that you're part of anything that we're a part of. And it's fine. And I was like, great. Mm. And then but but the funny thing was originally and even in some of the choreography, um, it was kind of like there were some gun props involved not for like shootouts, but for like, like disarming and stuff like that. And right, like maybe a week or two before we were about to film, um, I forget which one, but there was a mass shooting that had happened, you know, surprise, there was a mass shooting in America. And yeah, basically, we kind of all looked at each other and sometimes they were just like, we're not bringing any guns anywhere near anything school remotely related, no. So we were like, all right, let's adjust the choreography a little bit. So, you know, we came to my apartment, we adjusted it. We we're like, all right, let's do it. And then we get there and uh, we only had three hours per day to film. Mm. Which oh, was, sounds similar. <laughs> yeah, which was stressful as hell. And it, it, it was just like, so the, per, the person we asked to film there was never there, but he had someone from the building be there. And I would send them like script updates just so they, I just wanted to be open about everything that was in the movie. I didn't want them to be surprised. Like if we were doing something and have them be like, what are you guys doing? And, but the person who was there to like supervise, he just took the advantage of like working late and he would just go in his office and work. But hmm. he never, turns out he never read any of the things that I sent him. So at one point he comes out to check on us and like there's fake broken glass, there's people with like bruises on the floor <laughs> and he just like comes out and he's just like, I'm, 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 and just like went back into his office and I was like, okay, at least he didn't stop us. And then yeah. the worst part was, you know, we'd been practicing the fights, not as much as we probably should have, but like we had it down and when we were practicing, like everyone was good to go and you know, no one was too like out of breath. And then we were filming and like first take, like we're like, and yeah. like, and we were like, Jesus Christ, are we this out of shape? Like what the hell is going on here? And then we found out after we wrapped that the AC in that building shuts off at around the time we start filming every night. Uh. And it was just like, that would have been awesome to know, <laughs> to know yeah. going in. Cause like the whole time, like we were out of breath and we're like, Jesus, we need to go to the gym more or something because this is, ridiculous how tired we were getting mm. but uh but yeah no that that movie was fun to make it's stupid that it even got made and it made as quick as it did because like with every film i make now and i put a lot more time into it and then i look back on that one and i'm like how the hell did i even <laughs> how did that even happen and like you know obviously you know it had like some john wick and some uh raid inspiration although we wish we were as good at choreographing fights as those franchises but it was just uh it was super it was super fun um the writing process didn't take too long because you know the nature of the movie it's mostly just about um there's not a lot of dialogue it was mostly um a peek into a character's past without fully revealing it you know I, i'm a big fan yeah. of implied visual storytelling and while i think i'm better at it than i actually am <laughs> it's uh it's just I, I just much prefer it over um expository dialogue 
And, um, you know, something that you're really good at is visual storytelling as well, just from all the films that I've watched of yours. And it's, it's just preferred. Like, I'd rather fail at doing that than succeed at doing, you know, exposition dumps. And yeah. it was, it was really, really fun to make. And I'm really glad like the Hollywood Photo Film Festival was awesome. And uh, so going back, this conversation is going to go all over the place. So I'm so sorry. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Blade Runner being a big inspiration to you and Ex Machina specifically for uh, Imperium. Mm. In terms of just, you know, because like how, because when people, because like people ask me like, oh, like what movies inspired you? And it's like, that's kind of a complicated question because there are some movies that made me just fall in love with movies and then there's completely different movies that made me want to make them Mm. and it's like that question is different like for me because like i fell in love with movies long before i decided i wanted to try to make them yeah at first i was just like these are my favorite thing ever and then it eventually became i'm gonna give a crack at this and Mm. one like you know everyone's got you know the movies that made me fall in love with movies you know anytime you watch star wars as a child anytime you know the richard donner superman 1978 superman movie is still my shit to this day you can kind of see yeah it it's really good it's still great yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i do see it yeah see, see superman i think i see star wars behind oh yeah the the pillar i wasn't sure oh yeah but... oh yeah no we got all kinds of stuff back there uh, <laughs> but yeah and like jaws is like probably my favorite movie and you know, oh. so th- those were all movies that made me want, like, to love movies. You know, and, and then you have movies like Kevin Smith's Clerks, oh. where when I watch that movie, I'm like, and this isn't an insult. I'm just like, I could, I could have done that. I look at my friends. I'm, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, we could have done that. Like, why don't we do that? And then you know, yeah. and I love that movie. It's not an insult to it. And. You know, and then there's other movies like uh, I remember when I saw The Dark Knight on opening weekend, and mm. the way that that movie like took me on an emotional roller coaster, and it was all like perfectly timed and manipulated. Like I, as an audience member, was manipulated to feel certain ways at certain times, and I remember mm. watching that and being like, "How in the hell do you make somebody feel something at minute 25?" And then at minute 36, they have a completely different emotion going on. Like what happened in that gap? Like how, just how? And so, you know, those kind of experiences got me really interested into filmmaking. And then there are like screenplays that made me want to be a writer. Like when Harry Met Sally, like when I saw that movie, I'm like, Mm. yo, whoever wrote this is a freaking genius. And just like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So basically, you know, are, are there any movies that, you know, Blade Runner notwithstanding, are there any mm-hmm. movies that made you just fall in love with the art of movies as compared to movies that made you want to take the next step to be a part of making them? That's a good question. Uh, and also, it's probably going to be one where you're going to be here for a while because I have to figure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, um, yeah, it's funny, like, um, like, well, like, you know, due to the lockdown, I've been, you know, thinking a lot about, you know, you know, looking back at the past and, you know, I kind of realized that like, that like, you know, this like film bug has always been in me. I just didn't know like what it was or like, or that, or like how I would, you know, use it or whatever, because I mean, cause my earliest film memory was back when I lived, I, I lived in New Jersey when I was, when I was really young. And I remember 
2002 Spider-Man came out, the original one by uh, Sam Raimi. And my, oh, I remember my, I love yeah, and I remember, I remember that day so well. I remember my dad buckling me in the, 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 the kitty seat in the back because I was, because I was born in 97. So I was like four or five or something. And uh, so I remember him buckling me in. I remember us in the minivan. I remember it was just me and dad. And then I remember me driving, driving us to the theater. I remember us watching in the theater. I remember he, I remember him taking me out of the theater when Green Goblin started beating the piss out of Spider-Man and I couldn't see that. I remember that. Um, but like ever since then, well, like at the time, I thought it just, you know, started my, you know, uh, fandom for Spider-Man. But looking back, I realized that that was just like the beginning in general for movies, because ever since then, I just, you know, was like my favorite thing besides playing video games was watching movies. I mean, back then it was like superhero films or Harry Potter or Star Wars and all that. But then like, you know, as, as I grew older, then like, you know, I started becoming interested in different types of films. Like I remember The Social Network came out. And, you know, you know, it was getting the Oscar buzz in. and uh, my parents, well, my mom specifically, she's more like a cinephile. So like she's, she, so like uh, with her, like she loves that, like when like the Oscar buzz is happening, that she'll like rent the movies on Netflix and like, you know, watch them. And I remember, I think I saw the trailer for it when I was in the theater for something else. And I thought it was really interesting, the story. And, and I wanted to see it. And like, you want to see that? Like you sure don't want to watch like Spider-Man 3 again or something? And, but I was like, no, I actually want to see it. And like, they thought I wouldn't like it because, you know, that movie's all like talking. But like, I, I remember then I thought it was like massively entertaining. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that like a movie that's just all, all it is is people talking can be like so damn fun. And it still is like one of my favorite movies. Like David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin are like filmmaking gods for me. And um, so, I, can, like, I can get, I can get behind that. <laughs> I can get behind yeah, that, no so, problem. <laughs> yeah, so so I remember that, like, that was kind of like, um, when I was like, oh, like, okay, different movies could be, you know, fun. And and then I remember I saw Skyfall, the Bond film. And I remember that was the first movie that I saw in theaters that made me actually pay attention to filmmaking. Like, because like before I was like, oh, you know, that sound effect sounded cool, but I wasn't thinking about like the technicians or like sound mixers or editors, or anything like that. Or like, oh, the visual effects are cool, but I wasn't thinking about like, you know, the all these animators or anything like that. I wasn't thinking about any of that. Skyfall was like, wow, like this is like really well framed and the lighting is beautiful and everything. And basically that made me discover, you know, cinematography and then Roger Deakins. Oh yeah, the man. The man, I mean, absolutely. And I remember that, that, after that, then like the Oscars were around, and I remember it was the fir- it was the first time that I was actually paying attention to the other categories besides the acting and the directing and picture mm-hmm. and all that. Because like I remember that movie, like the the cinematography was so breathtaking, and ever that ever since then, uh, you know, like I started following like man, what is Roger going to do next year? Like what is his other movies that he shot? So I, I have and, to know, I have to know what yeah. went through your body when you found out Roger Deakins was going to shoot Blade Runner 2049. Oh man, I remember like everything about that movie, like the, all the news that was coming out for it 
was like, oh my God, it just keeps getting better. Like, first of all, Denis Villeneuve. I mean, of course, like I would have, I would have loved Ridley Scott to come back and direct it. But I guess like he just preferred to just, I, I mean, I don't know what, what was going on. Like, I don't know if it was like a preference because he kind of, it seemed like he just chose to prefer to do Alien or I don't know if it was that he was contractually obligated to do Alien and not do Blade Runner because like it seemed like he'd been wanting to do Blade Runner again for so long. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he even, it felt like he even brought it into like Prometheus and Alien, like like the Blade Runner elements, especially with, you know, David, the android played by Michael Fassbender. Like, and even Alien Covenant started with the close-up of an eye, just yep. like in Blade Runner. I felt like he'd been wanting to get to it so badly. So it kind of felt bad, like he couldn't do it. But at the same time, Denis Villeneuve is like one of my all-time favorite filmmakers right now. Like he's been proving to be such an incredible filmmaker. And when he when it said that he was going to do Blade Runner, especially after doing Arrival, which was my favorite oh, film my that year, Arrival. So I was good. like. I know. Uh, I was like, he's doing Blade Runner. Oh my God! And then, <laughs> and then, you know, I was hoping like that he and Roger would team up again because you know they did you know Sicario and Prisoners together, which were amazing. And and when he said, to, and then when I said that he was going to do Blade Runner two, I was like, man, this movie's going to look so good. And then like you know the cast piled on, and then the the, the composers originally was going to be you know the late great Johan Johansson which unfortunately, you know, uh, his score didn't, you know, stay. And unfortunately, you know, they couldn't collaborate on something again, which I, I just think is a huge loss still. But, you know, Hans and Benjamin Wolfish, they were pretty damn great. And I remember it was like, it was probably my favorite film score that year next to like Dunkirk, I think. Mm-hmm. But like, um, so yeah, uh, I think it's safe to say that I was like on the floor, like, just like, this is incredible. And this movie's going to be great. And it was. I saw it like three times in theaters. I loved it so much. Yeah, no. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 was my favorite movie that year. And dude, 2017 was a killer year for movies. It was. Yeah, it was a really good year. Yeah. Like, yeah, because like Dunkirk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dunkirk. And like, I, I remember, uh, I forget if I saw it before or after Blade Runner. But like, I remember like randomly took one of my friends, my friend Anthony, we went to go see Wind River. And, and oh, we, man. We didn't expect yeah. like it was just like oh like you know hawkeye and scarlet witch are in it let's go and then we like at the end of the movie like and here's the thing i am a sucker for amazing editing and that movie is edited so well and yeah. the the edit at the end like spoilers for those of you who haven't watched it although i'll try to be vague the edit at the end of the movie when they're going to go into the trailer and then it becomes a flashback and then it cuts right to yeah. where she's about to open the door. Like, dude, Anthony and I yeah. practically, we stood up like, oh, shit. Like, oh, dude, like, <laughs> that was so insane. And like, yeah, it's... I, I remember I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that movie was great. Although, um, I remember, it's funny, when I saw it, I was in vacation in uh, San Francisco. And we went to a movie theater there to see it. Wait, the movie theater was like really interesting, by the way, because it was like in a mall. And the place was huge. And the movie theater itself was huge. It was like two stories. Oh, wow. Like, it was really interesting. Yeah, it was really cool. Anyway, so we saw it there. And, like, well, I kind of encouraged uh, my family to see it because they were like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it seems kind of dark. And, like, we were, I guess they were trying to look for something a little more upbeat because we had a good day. And it was a great day mm-hmm. that day. And um, 
so we what so we went to go see it because i convinced them because like you know I, I told them that it was well they all love uh, sicario and it's only the same writer and and then he's directing it too and they're like oh okay i guess we'll give it a chance and yeah i remember that movie like just completely like knocked me out it was so great it was so it was such an underrated underappreciated film that yeah no oscar love no oscar love i was so sure yeah and it didn't happen yeah and like i i remember what part of it i think part of it was that was one of the last weinstein produced movies yeah i remember that whole and and i know for the home release they even took off the logo yeah but like it, it was just such a shame and like uh uh i think his name sheridan the guy who made that taylor sheridan taylor sheridan um he, I, I he wrote hell or high water as well i think yeah yeah that, which was that, his first uh oscar that, that was a great right movie that. and love yeah i love that movie and uh speaking of like no oscar love going back to denis villeneuve i remember when i saw prisoners at a theater mm. i saw it with my family and like very rarely because like no, normally when i see movies with my family like half of us are into it half of us don't care and (laughs) it's normally me who's into it and they're just like i I don't know what's going on and uh all of us were simultaneously like in prisoners like all of us were just like hooked every second we were like explaining like guessing what was going to happen and then i love ambiguous endings and you know for those who've seen that movie it's amazing and yeah. then I remember, because like I, I got into the Oscars a couple years before that, like around 2009 is when I started like really watching Oscars. And then I remember this was the first time I looked up when they were going to announce nominations. Because I was mm. like, I can't wait for prisoners to like... To be a clean sweep. <laughs> and it got almost nothing. It I only got like, cinematography. Yeah. That was it. I was like, like... What? That was like, that was my favorite movie of that year. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And, I know. and like, and like, I don't mean to drag on the Oscars. There are sometimes they nail it. Sometimes they get it right. Yeah. But but sometimes, yeah. but, but but like, it's almost a, a blessing in disguise when there's a great film that gets overlooked by the Academy because then there's especially with like social media, there's this outpour of love, of like, yeah. yo, I know that the Oscars didn't recognize it, but you gotta like when Tony Collette didn't get one for Hereditary. Yeah, I know. Yeah. that was insane <laughs> that, that, I remember, yeah that outrage was like real man and i was like everyone was like how do you not look at that performance and not think oscar yeah and, yeah, but the, and crazy. the thing is because of that i know people who hadn't watched hereditary who saw all of that on social media and then because of that sought it out and watched it so it's like if it got more yeah. people to see it then i guess but like and then there's times where oscars where i'm just like thank you so much like uh sam rockwell when he won for three billboards just because yeah. i love i love sam rockwell and yeah he, his performance was mind-blowing in that movie and like and i remember yeah. watching it because i knew like when you watch that movie it's such a fantastic movie and you knew like they were going to get more than one like you're like all right they're probably going to nominate woody and sam and they're probably going to do mm. all this but i'm like man i just i really hope they give it to sam like i remember like in the theater with the person i saw like we were walking out i'm like man i hope sam rock sam rockwell at least gets a nomination and then he did and i was like all right my boy let's see if he can he can pull it off and he did and i was so happy uh, that's funny god and, and then you have races that are just so close sometimes like i remember yeah. oh uh what year i think the 2015 oscars for 2014 movies it was like, all right, is it going to be Michael Keaton for Birdman or Eddie Redmayne for The Theory of Everything? And it was like, oh, yeah. 
because like both of them were great and i'm like i would have yeah. been happy with either one of them and then uh just this like in 2019 or for the 2020 oscars like it was joaquin phoenix adam driver and um yeah that was a really good category yeah like it was yeah yeah joaquin it was adam driver it was antonio banderas it mm-hmm. was uh Okay, yeah, that, that's it. I was about yeah. to flex, but then I just realized I only remember three of them because yeah. those are the three that I was like, I think those are the three that I was really pulling for. Yeah, and, and like, but like it could have gone to any of them and it was it was insane. And then, yeah, yeah. and then going back, uh, like how good 2017 movies were, like that was also when Thor Ragnarok came out <laughs> and I love, <laughs> I love yeah. Taika Waititi and I love the yeah. MCU and just seeing that yeah. come together was everything. Yeah. And uh, I'm so happy that he won Best Screenplay for Jojo Rabbit because, God, that movie was so good. Yeah, and, it was really good. And uh, uh, going even further back in the conversation to Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. he is my guy. And I, <laughs> you know, like like you, I was like six when Spider-Man came out and it like changed me. And uh, yeah. like I remember my parents took like my whole Little League baseball team to see Spider-Man 2. Oh. So we literally had like an entire row of seats for one party for Spider-Man 2. And oh. it was absolutely insane and like insanity and just yeah. Like Spider-Man 2 is so good. And then but I remember so Sam, Sam Raimi was one of the first directors where I noticed watching other movies like oh, he did Spider oh and then like when you're really young and you figure out like oh movies have directors and they do other yeah, things. Yeah. like he was one of the first that clicked with me and then i remember um when you, know, you when you do your imdb dump because you want to find out more about people yeah yeah I, I was like oh he did he did this little movie called uh, the the evil dead i'm, I'm gonna oh. check out the evil dead and then fell in love because <laughs> evil dead 2 to me yeah, yeah. is a top 10 all-time great movie and I, and like even the first Evil Dead was an inspiring for like wanting to get into making movies because like that movie was made for what, $20? And it's like, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. that whole concept of like using the camera as the evil and like going through the woods and being horrifying. And they're all like yeah. kids. And it's, I'm just yeah. like, my God, like that's the dream. That was the dream is like making yeah. Evil Dead. And yeah, I love Sam Raimi. I love all that shit. I don't even know how we got on this path, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like, uh, yeah, like I feel that, like, like uh, with Sam Raimi, like, um, my parents hate Evil Dead, but like, always go like, hey, but you got to respect it, even if you don't like it, because the first movie was made on like, you know, a micro budget, and it was able to, you know, be the the base for a whole franchise, mm-hmm. you know, just from making that little movie. Like, that's what's like. The most like inspirational thing about it besides it being you know a really great horror film that has like, that, that blends in like weird dark comedy and all that mm-hmm. like it's it's just so good and, yeah, and i love yeah i love evil dead and the second one too yeah and uh, i liked the 2013 one that came out with uh they had the remake yeah with fede alvarez 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 who directed yeah. that and i like that movie and like don't breathe was great the the yeah. follow up that that movie was great and yeah that movie was really I, I, I never saw I never saw the sequel he made to um the, I never saw a girl in the spider's web but uh, uh, I hadn't either but I, I he's doing something I forget what he's doing next but I know he's doing something that I really want to see 
And but no, I I really liked I loved Don't Breathe. I loved his Evil Dead remake. And like he was one of those people because every now and then you'll see a new director and you'll be like, I gotta watch whatever they do. Like I remember um when I saw Lights Out and I saw David F. Sandberg and I was like, I gotta watch whatever this guy does, and then Shazam, and I was like, Good mm-hmm. good for him. <laughs> and no, clearly. I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I think he did one of the Annabelle movies too, but like, oh, one of my favorite I love horror, shocker. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite horror directors is Mike Flanagan and yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember in 2011 when I saw Oculus because that mm. is such an underrated movie and I saw Mike Flanagan I was like alright buddy I'm going to follow you and then you know a couple years later you get Hill House you get um, oh, that Netflix movie he did uh, uh, I think Gerald, was it Gerald's Game and yeah, Gerald's Hush, Game. and then you get um Doctor Sleep, which was so Dr. good, Sleep, so good, yeah. Oh, and then it's just like that guy kills it, and yeah, you know, it, it's also fun to see like, you know, because because like when you talk to people like the greatest filmmakers of all time, like yeah, you can go way back to like Billy Wilder, yeah. you can do, but like and like Spielberg becomes that name that's like everyone he's so popular that people try to not mention him. <laughs> but, but what but yeah. what people don't realize like with him is like the diversity of the types of movies that guy has been able to make like he didn't stick to a genre like he goes yeah historical drama sci-fi romantic comedy war and it's just like they're all great and it's like yeah. how does a man do that i don't understand how does anyone do that <laughs> yeah it's insane and uh you know something that I really want to see who does next was Bo Burnham after eighth grade. Yeah, I know. You, I haven't heard you, anything about like a movie he's doing next. I mean, I know like he's acting in, Promising he acted Young in Woman, Promising Young Woman, which was great, which I haven't seen yet. Oh, dude, but, so good. Uh, <laughs> I want to see it, but I haven't yet. Mm-hmm. But um, but like directing wise, I'm like, where's like where's your new where's the news, man? Where are you mm-hmm. gonna be next? Yeah, and uh, I'm looking forward to Olivia Wilde's new movie. Uh, Don't worry, darling, because I love Booksmart yeah and uh oh by the way thank you because your raving tweet about sound of metal is what got me to watch it and that movie was amazing yeah thank you for that (laughs) you're welcome and thank you yeah i know that yeah that movie is such a knockout like like i was kind of saying it like i have like uh, a list of like five actors that i'm like hoping to get oscar attention and and if they don't then the oscars is just whatever because <laughs> like but riz ahmed is on that list i mean i'm gonna say who the others are but mm-hmm. but riz but riz ahmed i just want to go for Riz because like it, like he, he, you know he, he's just so great and he's been proving himself like in you know these like like roles here and there just like how like much of a talent he is like i don't know if you saw the miniseries the night of on hbo no i didn't see that well, he, he, well he won an emmy for that and let's just say that he definitely earned it. So definitely check that out. And um, but like the sound of metal, like like his performance is so good, and the direction, the writing, every like just everything about that movie is just incredible. Sound of metal. Yeah, and like yeah. The, like I, I cry in movies. Like that's no like I literally keep a list of every movie that makes me cry because it's fun. But uh-huh. there are very few movies that break my heart, and Sound mm. of Metal like on four separate occasions like uh, yeah the movie's pretty crushing <laughs> like the scene when they're saying goodbye at the end of the first act mm. 
oh my goodness like i i almost like yeah. i had to pause it because i'm like jesus christ like i couldn't even it was insanity and then like yeah. uh um i'm a, dude I'm a, i i can't talk about this movie because i will cry just talking about it but like when they reunite towards the end of the film i'm trying to be vague so people haven't watched it yeah. and then they i'll say they they come to a mutual understanding mm, yeah oh yeah that movie was God. yeah that scene was really crushing. yeah that movie is crushing and it's mm-hmm. but it's also really like thought-provoking although can i guess kind of in a depressing way because like you know the whole thing is that like you know he just loses his hearing like out of nowhere mm-hmm. it seems yeah and, and like, like I... you don't know if it's a you don't know if it's a, a biologic like if it's a you know thing that he inherited you don't know if it's you know from you know being a heavy metal drummer Mm-hmm. but he just loses it and and, he, and it's like fucking scary like like because yeah. like you know you just think like man like i don't know how i would react if that were to happen to me because like mm-hmm. sound is such i mean for everyone sound of course is an essential thing but for me like you know i love you know like listening to music i love sound mm-hmm. you know like i mentioned before i love sound effects i love movies like i couldn't imagine like living you know like like if that were if that were to happen you know it's, it's just like crazy like and the way they portraying the movies so like heart-wrenching and like and you know heartbreaking and and you know it just feels very raw i mean like it's just like yeah the movie is just great yeah and like the sound design and like yeah. how it navigates no sound or modified sound amazing and i think the thing that really i really appreciated about it was like most movies like if you're gonna make a movie about someone who's suddenly deaf or suddenly blind or like a movie where someone sudden like they have an unexpected life problem normally mm. that character has everything well going for them and then this happens and the movie is like oh now this person has to take a break from life and work on this like yeah. um i don't mean to pick on uh because like I, I this movie is kind of adorable even though it's okay like regarding henry with harrison ford i was thinking of that in my head <laughs> <laughs> like to reference like oh yeah like that movie that's yeah. right we were no, thinking but, about the same thing yeah and uh but like like it, it's a cute movie but i but like it's kind of like oh now the story becomes about how this rich guy has to deal with this railways mm. sound of metal he is already mentally fucked like he's already like not in a good place you yeah. know he, he's trying his best he loves his girlfriend but he's on the he's on the edge of losing it and then they, they bring up um, his former uh, addiction past, which I thought added great to his character. And yeah. they he rides that line every day. And then mm. he loses his hearing. And like that was like, oh my God, because I'd never really seen like someone tackle that problem with some yeah. with a character that's already been so been through so much. And yeah. the way that they established that within like an act of a movie, like I thought that, that was I thought that was breathtaking. I, I loved it. Yeah, sound the metal. The sound design I felt like was the first time that I would characterize sound design as being eye-opening because, you know, you know, like usually when you think of sound design, you think of like you know explosions, cool-sounding stuff, or whatever. But like for this one, you know, I had no idea like if you know they got it right that you know the in-ear implants for you know deafness like sounded like that. You know, like I figured it wouldn't be back to like 100% like normal hearing, but I didn't know it would be like that. And it, I thought it was, like it was really crushing and also really eye-opening. And like, you know, it just really makes you, you know, if you like, you know, for, you know, people that have like 
hearing like it just really makes you appreciate that you know what you have if anything like and and no other movie this year when in regards to that or like sound design in general that i've heard before nothing's done that before so if anything i'm really rooting for it to win an oscar for sound design or mixing this year yeah thank you for that Um, it was a little bit longer than 10 seconds but no no no, dude it was great (laughs) yeah uh you know um I fully agree with that. And like, speaking of sound design, like um, A Quiet Place from 2018, yeah. unbelievable sound design. And like, yeah, that was, was that really was, good. that was my favorite movie of 2018. So, mm. and dude, oh, right before, oh, what am I doing with my hair? Jesus Christ. <laughs> right before uh, COVID, I had a pass to see A Quiet Place 2 a week early. Really? And then the movie got pushed and then they canceled my screening and then <laughs> the world shut down. So it was just like a boom, boom, bam. Like, yeah. Of like everything happening. And I, I remember that it was supposed to come out like in a couple weeks or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I was really looking forward to seeing that. Like we were all, we're making plans like, okay, like we're going to get our tickets mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that sucked. And then, you know, all these other movies got pushed back. But I mean, I know like that's like, you know the the least thing to complain about right now like every time I, every time i catch myself like going off about yeah. movies that got pushed back I always kind of go like yeah you know but you know there are like more pressing issues like you know people are dying that's more important yeah but like you know but of course you know for me movies are like life so like of course Same. like that's something that's gonna bother me but you know i always try to but even then i still try to you know think like you know you know there's other things to worry about yeah yeah no you i i feel that because you you try to catch yourself but it you know like you said and like same with me movies are life so like when that's life like that's going to be the thing you want to complain about but then you know you kind of put things into perspective but you know it's it's a whole thing and and like speaking of oscars and like you know covid and everything you know I, i see a lot of and while i understand the argument i see some arguments of like oh they should just cancel the oscars and either do a combined one next year or whatever it be I thought it was a good idea to just postpone them a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm really glad that they're still doing a ceremony because to me, if you push the ceremony, one, no 2020 movie is going to win the following year. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and two, yeah, there's less competition, but like, that's not the artist's fault. Like that's not the filmmaker's fault. Like whether yeah. a movie comes out that year has nothing to do with the people who made it. And I feel like it would have been disheartening to the artists just because like they happened to make a movie this year. Yeah. And it, you know, and so I'm glad that they're still holding a ceremony and uh, you know, it'll be weird and awkward, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be a nice touch and it'll be a cool thing. Um, Yeah. I think so too. But uh, just real quick on that other note, like, I mean, although, like yeah like it's really unfortunate that a lot of like the most anticipated films that i had this year are getting pushed like you know like dune west side story you know all that but like um at the same time like i feel like it could well i mean hopefully you know the oscars they kind of see the opportunity that you know there's an opportunity to give a spotlight to like maybe like you know the smaller movies that came out this year that were great instead of like you know what they probably would have done and given it to like the heavy hitters like Spielberg again and all that. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, so I'm hoping that they actually take the opportunity and do that, 
even though like unfortunately like based on the short list it doesn't really seem and also from just the buzz in general it doesn't really seem like some of the movies that i would have wished would get oscar attention don't really seem like they are but i'm hoping that you know maybe they'll just do a surprise and turn around and do it but i don't know so i kind of do see the benefit of that that like that now like maybe other movies that that maybe there would have been you know overlooked because of other mm-hmm. movies that were going to come out maybe now they'll get a chance to you know be in the spotlight yeah if if only uncut gems had come out this year <laughs> oh man yeah that's another one <laughs> i love that movie they yeah. got nothing i know no but like because like with a movie like that and like just the safety brothers in general the way that they maintain anxiety <laughs> like yeah. it's it's insane like because like you i was even taught sometimes like hey if you're gonna have a really suspenseful or anxiety inducing sequence you have to use them sparingly because you know building that up it takes it's it's exhausting it takes a lot of you know story prep and work and then these guys are like did you say stay intense the whole movie because watch this (laughs) and then it's just like insane yeah god just like the talents of people because like because like there, there's some stuff that like i'm pretty confident in my ability to do film wise and then there's some stuff where i watch movies and i'm like i don't know how like every time how i do wa- that yeah like every time <laughs> i watch a wes anderson movie i just get mad <laughs> because of like, <laughs> because of like yeah. how symmetrical and like the production design's perfect yeah. and i'm like man i mean don't get me wrong i love wes anderson he's a fantastic filmmaker like but but every time i watch a movie i'm like man fuck this guy how is he able to do all this <laughs> like yeah i know yeah yeah, like, like filmmakers like that. I'm like, how, like, like you know, I mean, like, like you know, everyone, like in every field, there's always someone who is gonna be, you know, great and better at it than everyone else. But you're always like, damn, like I'm really jealous because <laughs> I wish, like, you know, like I could be like that good. Because like, yeah, because like Wes Anderson, like I don't know, like how like he developed that eye to like, you know, like you know, for his films to be like, you know, that, you know, mm-hmm. like it's. It seems so like out of you know out of this world for me like you know having that kind of talent yeah and and, and like uh and then there are some films i watch where i'm like well i'm never gonna make anything that good in my life so i might as well just give this shit up like i, I remember the first time i saw there will be blood like mm. i remember watching that movie and just being like what's the point what's the point of <laughs> trying to like to like get to get into this and yeah. uh I was just re-watching Tenet with a friend of mine and about mm. halfway through the movie he just looks over at me and goes, why does anyone else direct movies? It was so yeah, good. It's yeah. good stuff. Uh, I, I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, just a real quick note on There Will Be Blood. Um, this this uh, quarantine also spent time, you know, watching movies I hadn't seen. Like, you know, well, a lot of time, you know, delving into Criterion Channel. But Anyways, the um, I finally caught up on my P.T. Anderson filmography because uh, I tried watching There Will Be Blood when I was like in high school, and then uh, I think later on I tried watching The Master, but like I think I but I was at the time I think I was like too young and and I don't think my palate was like varied yet. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I had to watch more movies to really get it because I don't know like for some reason when I was younger I just like I didn't get the hype behind P.T. Anderson. But then now, <laughs> this past um, spring, uh, I, well, not spring, but like um, I've been watching his movies. Like now I've seen all of them. 
Mm-hmm. And now I'm a PT Anderson fan. Because, <laughs> like, um, yeah, like, like um, well, right, right now my favorite, I think, is a toss-up between Punch Drunk Love and um, maybe maybe Boogie Nights. Like, I, I kind of really like his early, earlier so work. Good. But mm-hmm. but I do really love I, I I like I like there will be blood and I really love the master mm-hmm. and I also uh, found to really really enjoy Phantom Thread I really like that movie now dude I got to see Phantom Thread on seventy millimeter what what how did that ha- look I happened to be in like in New York at the time like on oh. a family trip and so while I was there because like I live in you know we both live in Florida and we rarely get like the, oh, it'll be a limited theatrical release and then it'll go wide and fucking three yeah, months. Yeah, that's the only, that's the only painful thing about living in Florida. Yeah. yeah. And uh, while well, they were playing like really early, they were playing like I, Tanya and Phantom Thread and um, mm. The Post. And I was like, oh shit, like while we're here, we got to see all these movies. And they were playing Phantom Thread and they it said 70 millimeter. And I was like, oh my God, yes. And dude, it looked amazing amazing yeah. but all right i'm about to make you pretty jealous here guess what else i got to see in 70 millimeter i don't know a nolan movie or or yeah okay which one uh dunkirk uh yeah uh like, well um i didn't get to see the 70 mil print but i saw it um at the in fort Lauderdale. we have uh like uh like we have the tallest imax screen i think Yes, yes. So I saw it there. Uh, it was the digital version, but it still like filled the entire you know one forty three mm. aspect ratio and mm. looked amazing. But but uh, but yeah. But I guess I'm a little bit jealous. You saw the seventy mil print of Dunkirk, and uh, you saw it around the same time, I guess. No, uh, I actually randomly one of the theaters in Orlando literally just posted like when Dunkirk was coming out because I'd already bought my tickets for a different theater. Right. And then they posted, oh, Dunkirk, and they had IMAX, Standard, like another one, and then 70 millimeter. And I was like, that's not even a decision. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and I like texted, I texted who I was going to go see it with. I was like, hey, do you care if I get these tickets instead? Like, would you be bothered by that? And he, he didn't know the difference. He's like, I don't give a shit. I just want to see it. And I was like, great. So we got it. And like, I literally, in, because like they must have just tr- been trying it out or something because the lights go down and you could hear them hook it up and it uh, was like oh it was so awesome yeah yeah uh speaking of 70 mil uh i saw a tenant in 70 mil when it came when they came out in theaters oh you and... bastard <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw the 70 mil imax print and it, it felt like such a nice warm welcome back to theaters when it came out because like uh. Because what I love to, yeah, because like, I mean, other people were like, that's annoying, or like, they probably wouldn't notice, but like, when I saw it, I, I remember like, you know, you could see like the like the light flicker, you could mm-hmm. see like the dust moving mm-hmm. around, and all that, I was like, man, this like, feels like such a nice welcome back to the theaters, like, you know, seeing like, you know, yeah. like, you know, retro tech, but yeah, like, um, I'm behind on my 70 mil viewings, because <laughs> like, I think, I think the only 70 mil prints I've seen in my life are Tenet, I saw... I saw uh, 2001 in 70 mil when they did the re-release, which looked fantastic. I wouldn't have even um, invited you on here if I knew, <laughs> if I knew <laughs> you were going to make me that jealous. No, no, no. And then I think the only other one I've seen after, before that was uh, 
I think I saw the 70 mil for Force Awakens when it came out. Oh, you son of a bitch, dude. You keep throwing <laughs> these things in my face. Like, but no, that's I... it. They only got the... Hey, well, you threw a Phantom Thread <laughs> in my face. So, that's you know, true. I would have. <laughs> that's true. Although then, although then again, at the time, I wouldn't have cared. But like now, I'm like, man, I really wish I cared and liked PT Engine because I would have loved to see his movies in theaters. Yeah, no. So I'm uh, looking forward to his next one. Yeah, no, I, I had a friend who got to see Hateful Eight and 70. And that that would have been awesome. That would have been looked so been awesome. good. Yeah, but yeah. uh, yeah, no, I, I I try not to give myself too much shit for not seeing seventy, just because like I live in Orlando, yeah. So it's like Same. you know, like if I dude, if I ever move, if I was ever lucky enough to move to New York or LA, oh my god, whenever whatever they're playing in seventy, yeah, I'm going to see. You got a print? I'm watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, the 2001, I got to see it, but I and theatrically, but I saw it. Uh, I saw the digital one. Mm. man that was that was still cool to see it was it was great to see in theaters in general because mm-hmm. i because that was another one that i saw in high school i saw it on netflix at home <laughs> and it, i i did i i just i didn't get it mm-hmm. but for some reason I, the intrigue was still there like you know oh, i kind of wonder what the movie meant or whatever even mm-hmm. though i didn't really enjoy it unfortunately so and then all these years later they come out with you know the, the celebration you know anniversary print that came out a couple like was it last year or was it i think was, it was two years ago yeah anyways so so they got we got wind that the 70 mil print was gonna be screened at the same imax theater that i was just talking about that we have mm-hmm. in fort lauderdale so then um i took my brother who had never seen it in general and then my dad that i, I can't remember if he had seen it i think he might have saw it like on tv once when he was like younger but Anyways, so we all saw it, and my brother's first time, and for me, and that was pretty much like the first time all over again, and I was like, oh, so like, this is how you're supposed to watch it. Yeah. Because yeah. like, I loved it. After, ever since I saw it, I'm like, I'm a fan of 2001. Because <laughs> like before, I, like, you know, I wasn't really, mm-hmm. I didn't really care too much for it, but like, it was so different in theaters, because like, yeah. no, especially really, the, yeah. yeah, like, especially the Stargate sequence. Like, I remember, like, when I saw it at home, I was like, I just want, like, I fast forwarded it because I was like, okay, this is like, mm-hmm. you know, ridiculous. But like, in, in theaters, it's completely different. You're like, this is amazing. Like, yeah, like the visual effects in that movie still hold up. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Like, like, in, like, seeing in theaters, like, it's weird to say, but it's like, you have to see it in theaters in order to like, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with that with most, if not all movies. And yeah. I, it's funny, but like, because there are some movies where, because like all film is subjective, that's the magic of it. And I, there are some movies where like, if some people don't like them, I'm like, wow, like, man, that's crazy. But you know, it's subjective or whatever. And then there's some, even if it's a movie I love, and 2001 is one of them where someone's just like, I didn't like that movie. And I'm just like, you know what? I get that. (laughs) Like, I I get it. (laughs) Yeah. I felt that way with uh, Uncut Gems. Because like, there's a lot of people that like, Mm -hmm. I would talk to afterwards and like most of the reaction I get is like oh you know that movie sucked or I hated that movie and I'm like I get it because like yeah. so far what I've gotten was that like everyone liked it until the end so so kind of so I know it. but but I kind of threw it up to okay I guess like the ending is pretty di- you know divisive because mm-hmm. like, we're divisive because like you know I know like there's people that that would like it there's people that love it and then there's people that just hate it and it ruins the movie for them which is pretty much my family and but like and then other people that i know but like for me like you know of course like i was you know i was a bit like disappointed a bit like oh man you didn't (laughs) yeah yeah but like um 
but at the same time, you know, I, I you know, I kind of just learned to just accept it. And, you know, I like, it, and I just, you know, love the movie in general. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say before that? Sorry. No, it's, it's good. Uh, first of all, you know, how, how do we make it an hour into a podcast and we're just now bringing up Kubrick, but <laughs> um, I, I love seeing movies with people where it's divisive amongst the group. Cause like the post movie mm. conversation is what I live for. And when it's like, yeah. and when it's back and forth, it's so much fun. Like, dude, I was the only person in my group of friends who all went to see this movie who loved Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Everyone else in my friend group didn't like it. Uh. And so like <laughs> that conversation of me like dying on the hill of like that was a great movie and then just like it was everyone, a great movie you're gonna listen yeah, to me yeah, yeah yeah and then but like you know but but again it's just you know it's subjective that's what's magic about it and yeah you know and, and and also i love that conversation of someone who doesn't like a film but then you fully understand and see their reasoning behind it and while you might not agree with it it it, it makes that film more tangible more real and it makes it more it, it increases the conversation about the love of film even if someone right. doesn't like a movie. You know, then you have people who are, you know, I didn't like that movie because the actors weren't hot or fucking something stupid. But like, you know. Yeah. You know. There's still people like that? Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah they are. Those like, like that. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's, but I, you know, you know, because like there, there's going to be classic movies you don't like. There's going to be, that's going to happen just as long as you can, you know, fully state why you don't like them or just, you know, because it's also an emotional experience. And sometimes there are movies that just don't move you. And you know it happens, and then and then there are times there are movies that are awful, and you know it's awful, but God damn it, you love it. Yeah. <laughs> and like for me, that's like Armageddon is so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's yeah. so bad. But it's that was so like my good. go-to movie when I was a kid. Pretty much. <laughs> it was like that. Of course, it was like Armageddon and Independence. Those were like the movies you put on and like let's have a good time yeah although i think i might have watched it too many times because now i'm like i get like not too phased by it anymore i feel (laughs) but like um but i think it's solely because i watched it so many times like i feel like if i popped in the vcr for uh independence day one more time it would probably like burn out or something because that's how many times i used to watch it when i was a kid yeah yeah no and god independence day is so fun (laughs) yeah no that's god that's insane i i want to go back to uh some of your films uh, hold on. I'm pulling up the IMDb because I've seen some of these. I've seen a few of these. I've, I've seen, I've seen Homecoming. I've seen Maya, and I've seen The Lonely Boy, and of course I've seen One Bad Day. That movie was great. Thank you. And I mean they're all great. If, if I didn't say they're great, it's not because I. How dare you? It. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no, but you I, I loved. I saw Date as well. I saw, yeah, and uh, I saw the trailer for Hereafter, which is exciting, and I saw, uh, may have seen a little bit more than a trailer for her, him, but, you know, I'm gonna take my, my uh, privileges where I can get them, but, because, uh, like, no, dude, because, like, yeah, and you know this, when there's no better, like, compliment or, like, sense of, like, oh, I'm like respected or my opinion matters is when like you have a filmmaking friend who's like, Hey, I'm not going to release this yet, but can you watch this? And like, just give me your thoughts. Like, dude, I was so honored when you did that. <laughs> so thank you. And thank uh, you. 
Yeah, I hope that's cool that I say that I, I watch the movies early. Is that no, is no, that no, no? Try, uh, I'm not, I'm not that big of a deal yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a it's okay. Yeah, you can say that. Yeah. No, cool. Thanks. But like, but no, I you know I love doing all that, and of course, like when I when I finish uh, the local, you're going to be one of the first people to check it out. Yeah. Because because right I'm really now, looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, like uh, the trailer looked really really good, and then you know of course like you know like. I really like No More Safe Haven. I really like Contrition. That movie was really good. <laughs> well, thanks. And yeah, so like I'm looking forward to this one and, and whatever you do next. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, local is, uh, it's just slowly but surely getting there. Like it's, yeah. it's you know, the, I'm doing the sound for it now. And, and that's the one that takes the longest for me. Luckily, yeah. I just got amazing VFX people to start working on it, and I have an amazing composer who's working on it, and that that really took the pressure off because originally it was just like I had the physical edit, and then I'm like, all right, now I'm gonna do sound, and it was just me working on it. But like knowing that there's other people working on it, like for some reason, calms me down. Mm. And uh, you know, it's just it's the longest movie I've ever done, so just the sound editing movies was so much easier when they were eight minutes <laughs> but uh oh man yeah yeah i feel that like with um like one bad day was my longest yeah that, that was, was like, like almost, that was like, almost half an hour yeah <laughs> like that one yeah that one was definitely like hard in a different way than like i mentioned uh imperium well imperium was just because like i had all these things that were more of like you know just hindering me and like hold in like kind of holding me back because i just mm-hmm. Because it was in my own doing, basically. Because like mm-hmm. I, I put all these things that made production drag. But um, with one bad day, I mean, it was just a challenge in general. Because like you know the the I mean, because obviously you know the script when I wrote it, like it was around like thirty pages. So mm-hmm. like I already knew it was like okay, this is gonna be a long <laughs> one. And and the, and then my mistake on that one was that when I started filming it, I um. I basically went into it thinking like, oh, you know, it should take about as long as it usually does. <laughs> but like my, my shorts in the past had been like less than like 15 minutes or 20 or 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And this is 30 minutes. And I did not have enough time. And also it was the biggest, um, well, besides, you know, the length, but it was also the most actors I've ever worked with at mm-hmm. one time. Because usually it's like, you know, two people or three. And this one, you know, I was, I was directing five people at once. And that was, and then the way I scheduled it, because like the, the first thing I did were the interrogation room scenes with me, my uh, my on-screen partner, uh, uh, Detective McQueen, played by Francie Moreau, and then the lead, uh, you know, played by uh, Luna Rivera. Mm-hmm. So those are the three of us all in one location, you know, very controlled, super easy, got that done under schedule. And then right after that, I went to the park and did all the stuff outside in the park where we're, you know, where it's like the standoff and like, you know, the deal and all that. Big, big mistake <laughs> to do right after that. Cause uh-huh. right after that I was working, you know, again, like I was all in the elements and, and then, you know, I was working with the most amount of people I've ever worked with on a cast. And it was just, a, and I was completely overwhelmed and it showed when I went home. Well, first off again, the, the, so far, I think I'm going to take it, uh, I'm going to take it, like, if I don't finish everything, like, in the first day, I'm going to take that as a bad sign that I'm, like, I'm doing something wrong, because I couldn't, because we couldn't finish everything, because, like, I was over, I was overwhelmed, you know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't really, you know, get, like, the direction right, 
And then uh, there is an actor who remained nameless that told me that they <laughs> had acted before. And then on the day they were saying that they hadn't acted before. <laughs> and they were forgetting their lines and all that and was struggling. And it was painful to watch. Yeah. And then when I went home, I was watching the footage that we got and all the stuff in the interrogation room was great. Everything in the park was wrong. Everything. I was like, like, and it, like, it wasn't the actor's fault because again, like, I couldn't get the words right for the direction, mm -hmm. and like, the, and even like the way the shots went out, like planned out, were like not right. It was yeah, it was pretty bad. And then, and then it was so bad that the next day I I woke up and I was like, like my stomach was like so bad, <laughs> like I couldn't eat anything. My poor my poor mother tried to make me scrambled eggs and like you know have me eat something before filming again and I couldn't eat it. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of canceling the shoot. I'm like, okay, we gotta stop. But like, but it took a moment. I realized that for this day in particular, well, the thing that was also nerve wracking was I was working with a lot of people that I hadn't worked with before. Because mm -hmm. in that cast, the only people I'd worked with before were Luna Rivera and Carolina Veratera. Mm -hmm. And everyone else I hadn't worked with before. So on this day, the next day, when I was like, you know, thinking, oh, maybe I should cancel it. I stopped and I thought like, well, I mean, on this day, I'm working with everyone that I worked with before. There's just one other person, uh, Alina, that I hadn't worked with, but everyone else I'd worked with. And I know that they know how to, you know, get everything done. And and that's the reason why I work with them multiple times, because like they, we seem to be on the same wavelength and they don't need that much direction. And they seem to just really get what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. And also they know how to do it efficiently. But, you know, so, don't make movies with your friends. Yeah, but don't make movies <laughs> with your friends. Yeah. Although, I mean, when I met them, I met them off of yeah, uh, backstage. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. so like, you know, we're at Denny's and we were, like, talking and all that for Homecoming. <laughs> and that's how we met. Mm -hmm. And then now we made a few projects together. Anyways, so on that day was a thousand times better because it was less people. And I knew what I was doing. And it was just simpler. But because of, you know, all that footage that didn't work on the first day, we had to add to reschedule, like, okay, we have to have another weekend where we do this all again, basically, and then also finish what we didn't get to do. So then two weeks after that, then we all got back together again and finished the film and redid it and a lot better because I actually knew what to do. And then also in those two weeks, I spent like a lot of time with that one actor that you know was really struggling and basically it was like every day no every night basically we were rehearsing and I was like you know making sure that they were getting the lines right and knew how to act and also I got the chance to redesign the characters even like uh like both costumes and also just the performance because like I realized that that was some things that I um made a mistake on so it was the so it's the first time I've ever done reshoots on a film but like but like yeah, it was like so worth it because like I got to correct so many things that otherwise it would have like, you know, you know, really like held the movie back. So yeah, that was kind of a that was that was a big lesson right there. So many lessons right there that yeah. I learned from making that film. Yeah, no, that's that's so crazy. And like uh I'll go into something else in a second, but I I've you probably said this in all the Q and A's we did for Hollywood Florida, but uh, black and white was it scripted as black and white or was that a choice made later was that always the choice uh choice made later although you know again probably 
if you're in, in my film school, you think like, nah, he probably wanted it all along. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, uh, it was all going to be in color. But um, well, there's both a, a story reason and a technical reason. The, the technical reason was that when I did the reshoots, I couldn't afford to get the camera that I really shot with back, which was the very beautiful Canon 5D Mark IV, mm -hmm. which looked incredible and mm -hmm. had this incredible Sigma lens with it that oh, I love that look. <laughs> I really need to get that camera and lens back. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I couldn't get it back. So we had to shoot it with something else. And you can tell that it wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. So the black and white and the film green helped kind of mask the differences. So it wouldn't like look like this looks like this was shot on a different day. Plus also, yeah, plus there was also the thing that the sky is, you know, outside, like, you know, they didn't all like match up. Mm -hmm. So like I had to make it in black and white and put the green in. Plus like the, well, like, the story reason, I just felt like it just made everything seem so much more intense and dire when the flashback scenes were in black and white and also the use of the film green that I put in. Cause like, uh, well, cause one, like, you know like it helps differentiate the timeline cause it, you know, intercuts mm -hmm. and the story is told in past tense. But like, I just like the film green, I felt like just really completed the look. Cause like in the, in the interrogation room scenes like it was in color and I trying to make it look like uh, 35 mil. And then for the black and white scenes, I was really uh, inspired by like Aronofsky films like early Aronofsky and also like nice. uh, and then weirdly enough the opening of Casino Royale like the way that that looked like where the green okay. feels really yeah. intense mm -hmm. and it's in black and white like it's, I was I was definitely inspired by the look for the the end in the parking lot scene uh, with you know uh, the last flashback scene Ooh, the parking lot scene oh I remember yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah for, for that for that scene in particular I was really looking at uh, for some reason Casino Royale like I really love the look of that film because it's like really harshly contrasted the the highlights are really blown out and like the grain fields really high like so like all those things kind of influence the look of the film with the black and white and the green field and everything dude that's that's so awesome and then like um something that i noticed watching one bad day is something you brought up is like this is the most people you've directed at one time because yeah. i just experienced that similar um feeling with directing a local because the, there's there's a sequence where i'm i think it's five also mm. and um luckily i had worked with some of the actors before and mm. um but we we had a new actress her name is roxy rivera and she is unbelievable like mm. unbelievable actress and i had met her at a film festival and we reached out and you know i got her involved in the project and i was intimidated by her because like mm -hmm. uh, because like of the work I had seen because like you know when you when you think about your own work you know you, you try to be like oh like it's okay and you know the fact that she wanted to work with me I was like that you that's did? insane yeah I was like really are you sure <laughs> and then uh like like who tricked you and then I saw her work and she was so like out of my league good in terms of her performances to my what I thought like of my directing capability and I was like, man, it's so like when she showed up and like, it's mostly me and all my friends and people I've worked with. And it, it was like, it was almost like we had like a major celebrity on set of just like, do you need anything, Roxy? Is everything okay? No, okay. And then like, we would do all this, but like by day two, that was fine. And she was part of the gang and it was great. 
but like you know i i was really intimidated working with a new actress and luckily she was amazing and like the funny thing about like um i hate i love or i I have a love-hate relationship with um pre-production it's my least favorite part of (laughs) like like the scheduling the planning is an absolute nightmare luckily um luckily uh hannah my lovely girlfriend has also turned out to be a great line producer who knew and uh she 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 did an amazing job but like um i was so because like in the writing process and it's funny it made me laugh really hard when you like when you looked at how many pages it was and you're like oh man because i remember (laughs) when i wrote the first draft of the local like i was just writing and i like wasn't even looking at how long it was i was just like going 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 and the first Mm. draft was 46 pages and i just went I just went. It's almost. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh shit, that's gotta." Uh, okay, <laughs> and then uh, uh, it's not gonna be that long. But uh, what was it, the final uh, page count? I think it was um, thirty-two, something oh. like that. Because like basically there was a uh, a sequence at the end that I just got rid of, and which <laughs> which helped a lot, and because uh, <laughs> like I. I'm a slut for ambiguous endings, so I just went ahead and did it again. None yeah, of my short films here. have third acts, because <laughs> so, yeah. third acts are hard. But uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, but like I remember um, being on set, and the thing I was most worried about is um, the, I consider the local a drama, but surprise, surprise, it's me. There's an action sequence, and <laughs> uh, it's. I don't want to hype it up because I don't want to set people up for disappointment, but like, it's the most complicated one that I've done so far mm. because the whole fight is basically two, two versus one. And mm. those are nightmares to choreograph. Yeah. I can and, imagine. And so I was with the other actors, like we weeks out, we're practicing, we're doing choreography. Cause I was so worried because like of all the stuff that could go wrong in a film set, if that fight is not ready, it's going to be horrible. And I was so worried about that and like anxiety inducing, like before the day before shooting the fight scene, I was like, God, I just, I'm really worried about how this is going to go. Fight scene went great. (laughs) Everything else took forever. (laughs) And it's because (laughs) I was so worried about that fight scene that I, uh, not that I didn't prep, but I, I I underestimated how long other sequences were going to take. I, luckily had an amazing cast because like if i because like you know this when you have an amazing cast directing becomes easier (laughs) yeah it's just like really yeah it really does if you're on the same wavelength it's just it's so nice yeah and luckily i had meetings with everybody beforehand of like what their character was how they are you know what puzzle piece they are to the story and we were all on the same everything was good because you you don't want to get on set with an actor who thinks they're making one movie when you're not and yeah. I luckily everyone was on the same page. So when we were throwing curveballs like that, it you know we were able to adjust quickly and everything was fine. But it was just like I, I remember being so worried about that fight scene. And then when it when it came out fine, I was like, oh thank God, because like like everything else was wrecked. And you mentioned uh, doing reshoots. The only thing I've ever had. I mean, I'm gonna do additional photography on the local, but it's like pickups. Mm. Uh, there was i made a short film called the long hard day yeah, and yeah and <laughs> that one and uh, <laughs> the, there's 
a sequence that takes place in a car where two characters get picked up by an overly sexually aggressive driver. Yeah. And when we initially recorded that scene, when we filmed that scene, um, last minute, my cinematographer dropped out. Not, not of the project, but like had a family emergency. Uh, yeah. And was like, yeah. I can't, like, it, and it was like, it was for real. Like, I, I was like, okay, no problem. And, but the problem was the driver, the crew, everyone had take, like requested off work to come. Cause my, my, yeah. my gut, my gut reaction was, all right, we'll just cancel the day. We'll do another time. But I'm like, all these people showed up. And so I was like, all right, I'll shoot the scene. And so we did it, but, and I, I feel bad. I shot the whole scene knowing this is all going to be reshot. Like, like on the <laughs> day, like on the <laughs> day, but I didn't make, like, I wasn't rushing through shots. Like I, I, I wasn't like, making it obvious, like, I'm not going to use any of this. Cause like, you can grab something by, by the green screen. That's like, Oh, I can put that in. That was good. And so we were working on it. You know, the crew did an amazing job. I just felt so bad and I didn't want to cancel it. So I let them come out and try it. And then we had to reshoot that scene. And, but the good news was all of the, I want to say like concerns or giggles were done in the first time so when we got to do to reshoot the scene it went by so smoothly mm. and so it was almost like a blessing in disguise because like when you're making comedies you're going to do like a bunch of takes because people are going to yeah. laugh or they're either going to yeah. laugh at what's <clears throat> happening or so, like something's going to because like I, i'm also a big fan of improvisation even like on action movies and dramas so like sometimes they say something and it just breaks you and uh so we were prepared to do multiple takes and then on that day on the reshoot day though it went by great and so it was blessing in disguise but i was stressed out about it and uh god the only thing that sucks about making comedies is editing comedies because by the time i edited that movie like nothing was funny (laughs) (laughs) i'm like man this this is like horrible like i didn't laugh one time when i watched the finished product and then i showed people and they laughed i was like all right i'll take it just that is fine you don't have to say anything Mm. else i heard you laugh and then uh but yeah that that one when you watch it should have been the easiest movie i've ever had to make plot twist it was the most difficult and yeah mm. it was just insane yeah yeah but it's funny you bring up the whole thing about editing uh comedy because like well i d- only did one and on that one the hardest thing editing it was that well first of all a, a mishap that i had directing was that i encouraged I think too much improvisation mm-hmm. because when I was editing it, it was like a nightmare to make the scene seem <laughs> cohesive. Yeah, because of the different reactions and the different like uh, you know uh, comebacks or jokes or lines, and and it was just like oh boy, I made a mistake. Yeah. Well, just in general, like I, I encourage too much improvisation on that. So note for anyone, if you're doing a comedy, don't. <laughs> if you're not prepared to like you know like you know like have a movie be like completely improvised don't encourage it too much yeah because like like, i did that i had the script and um and like they stuck to it but like because of all the improvisation they did it was almost like the story was like all it was a bit all over the place and like the characterization was a bit all over the place Mm -hmm. and so that was kind of a mistake i made yeah no and and you know something because i love improv but at the same time you you know as you know you just got to have that coverage so like yeah the the thing that i do is 
I'm like, all right, I'm going to get like two or three, maybe four, depending on how much time we have takes. And I want you guys to be on script. And when I get one or two that I really like, it's like, all right, now we're going to do it again and just fuck around <laughs> and like <laughs> see what happens. And sometimes I'll use like snippets of something that was improv or sometimes there have been sometimes where I've used an entire scene that was improv because I'm like, all right, that was funnier than any fucking thing I could have written or, or even like it was better like, dude, on the local and I've never seen improv on drama than on that set because there was a se- there's a sequence. I'm going to be careful. There's a, <laughs> there's a sequence where um, we'll say someone gets bullied. We'll leave it at that. Mm. and it's scripted like the actions of the characters are scripted a certain way Mm. and we shot it that way and it wasn't working and none of us could quite put our finger on like why isn't this working and then like i said roxy the incredible actress she is and michael who plays the antagonist of the film michael joseph incredible actor they kind of went off to the side and chatted a little bit and then they brought in like one more actor and chatted and they came to me and they were like do you mind if we just like try something? And I'm like, yes, but where do I need to put the lights and camera? Because <laughs> you can't just like go anywhere. And they were like, right, right, right. And they're like, oh, like uh, we're going to go over here. And I was like, all right. So I had the cinematographer set it up. And I'm like, I literally had no idea what they were going to do. And mm. I'm just like, I'm like, fuck it. See what happens. And I was like, all right, action. And dude, th- it was way better. And it was like, dr- it was dramatic. It was like, Intent, like the way that they were in each other's face and i was like wasted so much time scripting out that scene because jesus christ that was so much better than what i like anything i could have done and it was just like damn and i but like i was not used to improvisation when it wasn't comedy like i was so mm-hmm. blindsided in a good way you know like improv and all that like um i mean yeah it was i mean because of the mishap that i had on date like I haven't encouraged it as much, but what I do instead is like, like, you know, I'll have like conversations with the actors about the scene more like in detail and ask like, you know, like if you have any ideas or whatever, like on the moment you can bring them up or whatever. So like, um, like I remember on one bad day, there was two instances of that. Where like, um, there was like the, the climax scene at the park when like uh, before, like, you know, the, the shootout happens and it's like building up. So like um, there's a scene where um, Luna's character gets out of the, the bad guy's car and starts heading to Carolina, who's heading over to them, that part. And then like, uh, so they start arguing, they get in each other's face and like Luna like shoves her. Like that wasn't in the script. That was like um, something that Carolina came up, with, came up with on the spot because like she was feeling that it wasn't that intense and that there should be like a little bit more of like physical contact. So then she was like telling them like, you know, push me. And then like the first time she was kind of like, like a little bit yeah. like that. And then the next like, no, like really push me. And then the next time then like she kind of like pushed her more and then like, and then they kind of like, you know, caused her to be a little bit more aggressive, which was, you know, a lot better than the other takes. Mm-hmm. So that was one, although that's more like minimal, but like, um, then there's the, like I mentioned before, the parking lot scene. Because mm-hmm. we're all were kind of nervous about that because we didn't have like, like uh, a permit for it and like, you know, no one knew we were going to be there. Oh, yeah. And no, then we the, had like the, fake, and yeah. we had fake guns. <laughs> yeah, the, the secret ingredient is crime, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, we're, and then, the, and then my, uh, of course, my parents were kind of like, 
you're gonna be like filming like in public places with fake guns and i'm like like in secluded places like whatever so they kind of got this bug in my head that like that i'm gonna die for this movie anyways so <laughs> anyways so we were so like uh we finished all the stuff at the park and then the last thing of the day was the parking lot scene so we're all at, like having dinner uh in between and we we're talking about the scene about how we we're gonna do it and then we're like we we're kind of talking about like you know like you know how we should do it because it was going to be like um shot more traditional with like master scene method and all that and uh but we kind of were thinking like you know like maybe we should not like you know spend so much time there because like you know we have to like you know like be yelling at each other and we have to point guns at each other and then like you know fake blood and all that so so we were kind of thinking like what if we just did it all in one shot and then i was kind of going like you know well i mean like i don't know because like we didn't exactly prepare for that like i don't know like if you guys you know like you know can you do that and then they're like yeah we got it so so then like i basically replanned out that scene because like i said it was going to be like you know more like like in master scene with close with coverage and all that so then we got to the parking lot and then so we, we rehearsed it like twice we did two rehearsal takes for me to plan it out and then and then after that then like we shot it for, like i did like three takes of the of like you know the warner basically or part of the scene and yeah, we got that in like three takes and then like we were able to finish that whole scene in like an hour, I think. Damn. It was, yeah, like that, the one or like really killed time. And also the fact that we were like, okay, we got to move or whatever. Like we go quick. Cause like, uh, I mean, cause well, like, you know, well, thankfully the parking lot, you know, structure like had like a good amount of light. And then also, um, and then Carolina's idea too, we had the, that her headlights on basically to give like a good like backlight. Mm-hmm. for them or even like you know well backlight for someone well for carolina really and then it was more like like a key for like you know the other two because yeah. they were facing it but like yeah like that whole scene is like like it was almost like in, like them like that like it was like kind of like their baby because it was their idea to do it like that and then afterwards like i mean afterwards it was a little bit more like how i planned because afterwards they were like more traditional mm-hmm. there were like coverage shots after that in like slow-mo but like but that whole thing is like so far that's like the scene that i'm like most proud of of that i've done so far next to well like a scene that i've done you know in a certain film that you may have seen that earlier cut of that i really there's a scene in there that i really that i'm really proud of also even though for that scene it seems a little i'm kind of tuning my heart because i'm in it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but but like but i've seen that i'm not in it it's the parking lot scene yeah, no, dude, the parking lot scene is awesome. I think I know the scene you're talking about. It was awesome. And like, dude, look at who you're talking to. You, you make me feel bad about being in my own stuff. <laughs> no, 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 no. That is different. You're good. For me, I don't know. I don't know. First of all, no. Second of all, of your acting work that I've seen you do, it's it's very good. I, I've, enjoy, I've enjoyed seeing you on camera. And I would tell you. I would tell you if I didn't like it. And uh, I, yeah, and like, Dude, the weird thing about like me being on camera, I made a short film that wasn't official. I just made it like when I was in college for um, 
just like to show like people at, at like my hometown like hey this is like what i'm gonna try and start doing it was like this somber ass drama because when i first year of film school i'm like oh that's what people like and i uh <laughs> yeah i i made this drama and i just put it up on youtube and i wasn't in it mm. and uh I got messages from extended family and friends being like, Hey, I thought you made this movie. And I was like, I, I did. I, I wrote and like directed the movie. And they were like, but like, like I didn't see you. <laughs> and I'm like, Damn. Oh man. And, and the thing is normally it's like, Oh, whatever. But I'm like, these are the people that are going to share my stuff on social media. And like, if they're going to get seen at all, it's going to be because of these people. And I'm like, I'll just pop in, I guess. And then I like would experiment more and I would like be briefly in it or do this or that. And then just what eventually started happening is, you know, no one knows characters more than the people who wrote them. And I'm not trying to sound like a pretentious dickhead there. It's just, I think you could even say that for like every character in your stories, like no one knows them better than you do. And mm, yeah. And, you know, while I trust acting and like explaining to actors like you know what this character is and seeing their process especially with some of the great actors i've had the chance to work with you know being able to write and then inhibit a character as you're writing it is it it's it's a great experience yeah. and, and and while i don't consider myself an amazing actor i've seen worse <laughs> so it's like <laughs> so it's like yeah. you know as long as i don't completely suck and like my cinematographer uh he's one of the few people like when i finish movies early i send it to him because he'll be honest and so when mm. we're on set because i do have i do have a hard time directing myself and so we'll be on set and i'll just look at kyler and be like did it suck and he'll either be like yes or no and sometimes he's like yes do it again <laughs> and i have to do it again yeah. but like you know it's, it's nice to just you know have that checks and balances like that but but yeah no and like and it's just fascinating because um I started acting out of necessity, one, just to, you know, for so people would share my stuff and two, so that I, did, I could have to contact less people to be in them. Cause as you know, working on micro budgets, it's a nightmare. Mm. Yeah. And, but it's fun. <laughs> and it's like, I'll yeah. keep, yeah. And, and like, and here's the thing I, I've, I've, there are niche markets of characters I can play. I'm not gonna write myself like this complicated Oscar Beatty ass character to yeah, try and play. Like I can play yeah. people, <laughs> this is gonna sound bad. I can play people who are depressed and I can play people who are overwhelmingly defensive with humor. Those are the two people I can play. So it's yeah. like, I will play that person forever. And yeah, like, um, um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was, so, you know, it's, it's fun to do. And, uh, you know, and I would never, and, I, and you're the same way. I don't think we would ever step into a role that we weren't 100% confident in that we could pull off. Yeah. Although, so although I was pushing it in one bad day. But like the thing with that <laughs> one was that I wasn't supposed to. Well, that's the thing. Everything before my new film that's going to, you know, hopefully come out soon, Her and Him. Mm -hmm. um, in the past, when I've acted in my shorts, I was never supposed to. I only acted them because the actor dropped out, mm -hmm. basically. And I, and I, foolishly didn't get an understudy or a backup so I, I don't know i mean i mean then again you know everyone's working for free so i can't really exactly, I shouldn't really yeah. expect it 
Mm -hmm. I shouldn't expect them to always, you know, just be like 100% like loyal and stick to it or whatever. But, you know, but in the past, that's that's always been like, if I'm in it, it's because someone dropped out and I had to fill it in for them at the last minute. Mm -hmm. And that happened on one bad day. Like the, 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 the act, the actor that was supposed to play the part of the detective, she, she dropped out like on the day. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like it was the morning of, so I had to. So I had no choice. Basically, I had to like fill in. I was like, okay, clo uh, fancy clothes, <laughs> like you know. So, mm -hmm. so, so for that, I had to do it. And then every other moment, it was like that, where like someone dropped out, and it was too late to find someone else. Mm -hmm. But for her and him, um, a new one. That one, I basically, for the most part, I, I planned for for me to be in it and for it to be my first like role where I was like, you know, that I consciously, you know, decided that I was going to be in it. Although still for reasons out of necessity, other than just like, you know, I, I'm just going to be in it. Cause like, you know, cause like basically this was, this was the first project that I've done that, that's more like traditional within COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, for this one, uh, I was actually supposed to do another short, but like for that one, it required more people. And then I started getting nervous about, um, you know, about people, you know, like, you know, you know, being honest about testing and then, you know, making sure that everyone, you know, after they get tested to stay, you know, quarantined and safe so that they don't affect anyone on the set. And also the fact that it was, you know, that one also was going to be all indoors. So we're going to be, in, in, you know, inside a place. And, and, you know, like I mentioned before, I don't work with a lot of people like, it was going to be five people at most, including me. It was going to be three actors and then, you know, two people crew, including me. But like, still, that's a lot. And uh, and it was still like a lot for me at the time to like, you know, make sure to stay top of everyone that everyone's like, you know, stay safe. And it just was too much. So I had to pick something else to do. So then I picked this one because, you know, that one uh, just needed three people. So it was just me. Carolina and then one person crew basically and and then and then I decided to be in it because I knew that I could count on myself to you know to get tested and also stay at home because uh, you know I, I don't you know because right now I'm not working anywhere like that like requires me to be around people in public so I'm able to you know quarantine myself in that case so so that was the other reason like you know for like safety basically that was kind of like you know I, at least there's one other there's one less person to worry about and now I can only I only have two people to worry about now so yeah. so for this production it was the first time that we you know you know basically you know had to like you know work with COVID in mind where everyone had to get tested and everyone had to stay quarantined and everyone thankfully you know honored those requests well not requests it was, it was more just like rule like you had yeah. to do it like I said I said to every, I said to you know them that like you have to get tested. If you don't get tested, you can't be, you know, on the set, basically. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, you know, everyone, you know, honored that. Yeah, no, it's that that's amazing because local was also shot uh, during COVID, and and that was a lot of people in that. I mean, look yeah. like from the trailer, so yeah, I don't imagine yeah. like that. And and we um we weren't fortunate enough to be you know able to get a bunch of tests because like for some Orlando is just the worst. And yeah. we were also traveling to other places 
but mm. basically I, I took like a safety course for film, like making films and during COVID. And then it just, it, it was basically just like, you know, if you're gonna have crew members there, space them out, make sure everyone's wearing masks unless the moment you say action, they can come off for the actors. And yeah. so I, I had everyone on an email chain and I said, hey, you know, I still, cause like we were gonna shoot it right in March and then, Eesh. and, uh, but I still wanted to make it and so like some months went by, I rescheduled some stuff and I was like, okay, let's do this, but here's how it's going to be. When you arrive, you're going to get temp checked and you're going to, we're going to have masks if you don't have one, but if you're not on camera and I didn't say action, they're on like, that's how it's going to be. Mm. And like, you know, there's, this is no if, and, or buts about it. And, and even like people who would come, cause sometimes like, uh, uh, they won't be in the email, but I'll, I'll need extra crew. And I have people like on standby to come help and I'll text them and be like, you got to follow all these rules or it's a no go. And they were like, no, of course. And, and I, and I also just said, you know, Hey, if, if at any point you feel unsafe or if you feel we're not doing something right, please say something and we will stop everything. And we will make sure that everyone feels safe. Cause like, when, and you know this, when, when you're directing micro-budget films, you know, you're also the studio. So yeah. people, when not just movie-related, but, you know, whether it's personal feelings or anything, they're looking at you and they're like, what's the play? And, you know, yeah. you, you have to be ready for all of that. And luckily, we were in a big enough area to where we could space each other out, we could wear masks. And then for our, our second big location we uh were at a friend's cabin in the middle of the woods and he lives in the middle of nowhere so he was like i can guarantee you i don't have anything because i've been living out here doing nothing and so <laughs> we felt safe enough to go over there and you know things got a bit more relaxed over there because of how secluded the area was and you know and i also you know hey like make sure everyone feels safe if any of you feel unsafe all you have to do is say something and we're going to work on it we're going to stop everything and work on it and luckily uh, no one, nothing was brought up. So I was really happy with it. And, you know, no one has texted me since and been like, you asshole, I felt like we are unsafe. So I'm going to go ahead and assume every, like people were happy about everything. And uh, I was, uh, it was stressful, but, you know, it, it was one of those things where everyone knew that there was a bigger goal and everyone knew the steps they had to take in order to achieve it. And luckily, um, everyone was safe. No one got, no one got it. No one got remotely sick. Everyone was happy. That's and cool. what I was surprised by, cause like when I had to, I had to buy like temperature checkers and masks and all that stuff, it wasn't as expensive as I thought it would be. So that was super nice. Oh and yeah. Just, the temperature uh, checker is not that expensive. Yeah, no, I, I thought it would be really expensive. And the one I got, like, I, I made sure not to get like the, ch the cheapest one. Cause you never want to do that on anything. Yeah. And, uh, but the one I got, it wasn't bad and it worked perfectly fine. And I was like, that was surprising. So I was able to, <laughs> I was able to do that, but yeah, no, I mean, and here's the thing, making a movie is stressful on its own. When you yeah. add in a pandemic, it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Like this one that I just talked that, that I just mentioned, like mm -hmm. I, I was, I was stressed on that one in a different way that I hadn't been before. Cause like before is because like like i mentioned like i had too many people or mm -hmm. at you know it was a lot or it was a big thing that i never done before but this one 
the stress in the back of my head was like, what if someone's sick or gets sick? Like, it was just like that. And, um, and, and yeah, cause it's like, if someone gets like sick while making this, then it's my fault. And yeah, it's just like, exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it was, it was really getting to me at one point. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was going to affect my performance too at one point, but like, um, but thankfully, you know, like uh, when I guess like, it wasn't a conscious decision. I mean, they, well, other than, you know, being like, you know, to myself, okay, like, you know, you know, you're in the scene or whatever. So like, you know, act part, but like, uh, but you know, all, all those feelings kind of went away from the moment I was saying action to when I was saying cut, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, thankfully that, you know, it was able to go away for like, you know, those few minutes. Yeah, no, and, and it, 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 I know exactly what you mean. And the, uh, the, the one thing I'm disappointed in myself in regards to filming the local was we were originally going to shoot in March. And in March, I was in decent shape. Not like, I didn't look like a fucking superhero, but I, I was like, <laughs> you know, I had been working on looking a certain way for the character. And I was like, and I never really done that before. And like, don't get me wrong. I wasn't like, must like ripped or anything like that. But it was just like, it fit the character well and it was uh, enough of a change to where like people would have been like oh you did some work and then quarantine (laughs) and while i i gained weight during quarantine and while i was able to shed some of it before filming i didn't get to how i looked in march but i i was like looked at myself and i was like it's good enough and we still made the movie and I still think it looks fine and every, everyone did great. And, but like, you know, usually when I'm disappointed in myself, it's because like, oh, I wish I would've got that coverage or why did I say we didn't need audio for that scene <laughs> or like something yeah. like that. But yeah. you know, that was the only time I was disappointed in just like my physical appearance and mm. uh, you know, wish there was a time machine to go back to March, but at, at the same time, it's not like I was fucking, you know, so it wouldn't have made much of a difference to any person watching anyway. You know, it was just something mm. that probably I personally would have noticed. So, yeah. you know, cause there are things that you wouldn't notice unless someone pointed them out to you. Yeah. But it's funny you mentioned them because I was supposed to do an entirely different short uh, last March too. Like I was, I remember it was literally like, we already rehearsed it. You got a location locked. You did equipment, got all of it locked. Then the pandemic happened started getting worse and then it was like the week it was i think it was the, like like it was like uh this week you know we rehearsed next week pandemic's getting worse and then next week we're supposed to shoot and i was like oh you gotta be kidding me yeah because like that was like around the time everything started shutting down i was like okay i'm just gonna have to cancel it and mm-hmm. and i feel bad because uh one of the actors in it i've been trying to work with them again uh twice now and so like that one i had to get canceled because of covid and then this weekend i was supposed to finally do a different short with them this weekend coming up and i already had to cancel that one because of some of another cast member having a family emergency damn and and yeah and then like you know like well why don't you just like you know postpone it but the thing is that like the the one that had the family emergency i've been wanting to work with her for a while so i guess it kind of again in your shoes where like there's an actor that like you really admire them mm-hmm. and you want to work with them and like you kind of just want them and unfortunately this is like the weekend that we had 
was like the only spare time that she had because she's apparently because she told me she's working on a feature film like some indie feature film and you know, and and then she's like doesn't know like when she's going to be free next week because like you know they had to postpone a few times because apparently like on their cruise some people like you know unfortunately you know got infected with covid yeah. so they had to postpone and they don't know like when like exactly they're supposed to shoot in march mm-hmm. but like that's the thing because like now like you know like you know I, I was ready to do it and then now like you know like you know we have to wait so you know this whole yeah. thing is you know kind of been a bit soul crushing with trying to like you know you know like you know produce like you know as much content as you would normally would want to if things were normal but unfortunately you know just the things that you have to now there's things that kind of you know that have to like hold you back or whatever so it's kind of been like hard to try to you know get used to yeah and, and you know with everything i've made there's always a moment on set where you get that giddy of like, oh, we're making movies. And, and it's not yeah. like, it's not right at the beginning, but at some point you see some magic happen on the set and you're just like, oh yes, we're making movies. And <laughs> the, it, it, it's, it's what you kill for. It's like you, you kill for that feeling, like whenever you go yeah. from project to project. And I've had to space out a bunch of time between my projects, which is unfortunate just due to like, you know, work and life stuff. But when we postponed the local, it crushed me. Yeah. And then when it was finally happening, it still didn't feel real. And two weeks out before filming, my producing partner and makeup artist, well, it was going to be a new makeup artist, but my producing partner who I'd worked with for a while and our new makeup artist uh, quit on the same day and made it like apparent, like they're not going to come back to work on the project. And it was just like, it was, it was like, like, nerve-wracking too because like i said like i like having my 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 people around me and it was just like off-putting and so we get to uh set and like it's going fine day one and it's covid we're nervous we're trying you know and then that moment happened the oh we're making movies and it had been Mm. so long since i felt that and it was during a time where everyone was on edge but it happened to everyone at the same time. And it's, it, it's an infectious feeling. And it just, from that moment on, everything in my head was like, it's gonna be fine. And it was just, ah. If I could feel how I feel in those few seconds all the time, I'd be the happiest person alive. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel that. Yeah, I know, I feel the same way about, you know, with this, project that i said that i was gonna do this weekend because like it was probably because like next to uh maya it was probably it was probably going to be the like the one of the most personal projects i've ever worked on mm-hmm. and we already you know started you know getting everything in order and we did like you know like a table read through zoom and i was feeling really really good about the actors and then the actors they seen to really like the material and they seemed and then they also were like on the same wavelength about everything and you know and well it's probably more because of like how like uh the how personal the subject matter was to me but like um but you know it, you know it was it was really you know i mean you know it's not her fault but like you know it was just disappointing you know that i had to postpone it but you know that's kind of just like me because you know but one i hate letting down the other actor down because like you know it's twice now i've had to cancel on her Mm-hmm. but like uh but for me you know i just i you know i, I just love 
you know, filmmaking. I love, you know, all that. I mean, you know, like, uh, I guess, like, I, I feel like I should be, you know, fine with, you know, having just done, you know, her and him. But like, uh, you know, but like I mentioned, like, I was kind of stressed while making it. So like, you know, I wasn't really feeling good while making it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and while it's not personal to me, the subject matter, I mean, it's more personal to, um, I would feel it's more personal to the uh, actor that I co-wrote it with. But um, but with that one, you know, like I was more like, you know, kind of homaging, you know, like cinema that I've been watching now over uh, COVID, you know, from the Criterion. Like I was like, it's mostly, I, I, I pitched it, I, I kind of pitched it to you that's basically uh, Last Tango in Paris meets In the Mood for Love, mm-hmm. basically. And, and uh, you know, so like, oh, so it felt great, like to, you know, have a good departure from other stuff I've done because other stuff was like, you know, like, you know, like the John, you know, genre films that, you know, no business making uh, micro budget, like, you know, probably, you know, a sane person would, you know, would have, you know, gotten like, you know, like a couple thousand, but like, you know, but, you know, it's just because I just love doing it, you know, that I just, you know, that I, that, yeah, it's also because, you know, that I love doing it, but it's also because of the lessons that you learn from each project that you do. Because, like, you know, with each project, I learned something different. I knew, like, okay, I need to, you know, adjust to that, you know, for, you know, if I ever try to do this again, basically. You know, so, you know, that, yeah. that's kind of, like, where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, and, like, you know, lessons learned on every every single set, every single movie I watch. And, and like, because, like, you know, people always, you know, oh, like, if I want to make if I want to make movies or I want to do this, like, what should I do? It's like, well, step number one, watch a shit ton of movies. And, yeah. and, and people are always like kind of laugh that off. And it's like, no, no, no. Like you can just do that and eventually be like, you know, cause I'm a visual learner. So it's yeah. like, I just need to see how it's, I just need to see it. And, and I, I, I don't mean, and yes, at some point, every film lover, not just filmmaker, but film lover should like look up like best movies ever and watch that list watch terrible movies yeah because then you're watching it and you're like i didn't like what just happened what about it did i not like so i can avoid doing that like it's just all all that kinds of things and you know and sometimes it's even movies you love where a moment didn't work and you're and you're you're like oh and then you get it on dvd and you go back and you're like all right what about this moment doesn't work like why why is it so like what's going on here? And just, you know, that study, you'll learn more than any, and like, again, don't mean to disparage film schools, but like you'll learn more than from just watching movies and anything you'll ever learn at like a, an institution. And, yeah, you know, and like some people say like, oh, is film school necessary? It helps. And, but I, yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing is I do think you should go to college. And the reason I say that is because when you go to college, you meet people who you whom you've never would have met before yeah. who are just as passionate ab- as you about that thing because like when i was in high school i was like the only person in town well like there's maybe th- i think two other people that i can think of who were like film buffs and like ju- or like just yeah. as passionate as like filmmaking as i was and so Same. it's like it's when it's two people it's like okay whatever and then you go to school and you see all these people and, and like for example like you'll see like i don't know how to do visual effects and then you'll go to school one day and there's a guy who's like, hey, I love movies, but you know, my thing is visual effects. And you're like, where have you been? Where have you been all my life? And it's just <laughs> like, 
yeah. know, you, you find those people and, you know, passion's contagious. And it's yeah. just one, it's just one of those things that, you know, you got to do and like, don't underestimate like watching movies, like, and sometimes you don't know the lesson that you're trying to understand. Like, um, I mentioned earlier, exp expository dialogue. Yeah. That is a very tricky thing because sometimes yeah, it's needed. Very. Sometimes it's needed, but sometimes you have to come up with ways. And like the two examples in the top of my head of like the greatest use of expository dialogue ever, well, out three examples. One is in the original Terminator and it's when mm -hmm. they're in the, the car and Kyle Reese is loading the shotgun and he's like whispering yeah, yeah, yeah. to Sarah Connor. And it's cause like, they're literally being avoided and you're learning with the main character what's happening. Yeah. And I remember watching that and being like, okay, that's a great way to do exposition. And then the 2009 Star Trek movie, there's a scene where, you know, let's just jump 30 years. There's a scene <laughs> where, uh, um captain kirk's hands like get puffy and he starts like puffing up yeah yeah, yeah and then yeah, so yeah. bones is taking him around like showing him everything but it's because they're trying to get him to be okay but it's it's like disguised exposition like it's just like how it's like all the stuff he talks about comes into play later and the audience needed to know it but yeah in that moment you you're not thinking about that it, it was literally disguised and i was like that was excellent and then yeah raiders of the lost ark when uh because that's a movie that's very exposition heavy but like the scene mm -hmm. where they're explaining i i, I forget i think they're they, it's when they just i think it's when they find out that the nazis are digging in the wrong place and uh we know mm -hmm. that one of the i think it's jelly beans or something is the audience knows one of them is poisoned and so throughout, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so throughout the scene he keeps about to eat one and then he keeps talking and so while the ex while he's speaking exposition the scene is so intense that you're like you're in this like it, it didn't seem distraction the movie didn't grind to a halt to give the acquisition to you yeah and um i'm going on way too much about this but the uh yeah. i think a recent example and this is a divisive movie but i loved it was malcolm and marie and yeah. there's a sequence really in good. there there's a thank you thank you someone <laughs> else liked it there, 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 there's a sequence in there where uh he, the lead, uh, John David Washington's character, Malcolm, is talking about uh, the story is telling like the lead, like the, he is giving the backstory to a character about in a movie that he made. Yeah. And because he's talking about film criticism, which I love when movies talk about film criticism, but he's talking about it and saying like, you know, not everything I have to do has to be about one thing. Like I literally just want to tell a story about a girl who was a drug addict and then she learned, and he's going on explaining the story of this fictional character. Yeah. And then at the end of the fight, Marie says, and like they had gone off to a different subject, but then it wraps back around and Marie says something like, then when are you going to start telling people that you made that movie about me? Yeah, and I was yeah. like, Oh, they, they yeah. just did like an entire exposition character backstory, disguised it as a narcissistic rant, and then yeah. brought it back full. So I was like, that is so good, like in terms of expository dialogue. So, yeah. And like, but the thing is, like, that's not something I would have learned at an institution. That's something you learn just by watching and studying movies. And just you'll be surprised what you can accomplish just from watching stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Although I would say I kind of learned that trick from a combination 
because mm-hmm. like because uh, yeah I, like, I watch a lot of movies but then uh, I was in my screenwriting class and my teacher pointed out like you know the use of exposition in some movies like smart ways to use it and he pointed out um, a technique that a lot of screenwriters use that you just mentioned where where there's a character whether it's a main character or a side character that is new to the game or the world or whatever and doesn't know anything and then that you know gives permission for the screenwriter to use a character to explain everything to that character because they don't know anything just like how we don't know anything if we're watching it for the first time like my te- my professor he um he uh used the the godfather as an example the first one when uh Kay, played by dan keaton is at the wedding and she's like you know who's that who's that and then michael played yeah. by al pacino he's explaining everything like that's luca brazi you know you know mm-hmm. so so like you know so he pointed that out and i didn't notice that you know at the time well i mean because well for me film school was kind of good because when i went into film school it wasn't there to make films originally i was there just to be a film critic and i was like well i mean like i want to be a film critic at first mm-hmm. and i was like you know well i guess this is the closest thing they have to that because they don't exactly have a film criticism class Mm-hmm. at bc or whatever so i thought this would be the next best thing but then when i caught the filmmaking bug then i you know actually started actively you know paying attention and learning everything so so when i was in screenwriting class like i hadn't noticed that before how like screenwriters you know will use that how like mm-hmm. like you know like the example i just mentioned or terminator that you mentioned that sarah connor she doesn't know anything and then calories has to explain everything to her because she doesn't know anything and we don't know anything so we learn through her mm-hmm. so i always thought that was a really smart way i haven't I haven't been able to use that yet unfortunately well i guess sort of in one bad day i guess because like the the exposition comes from the interrogation room scenes because she's you know being asked all these questions because yeah. you know the detectives need to find out what's going on so i guess that okay so I, i'll take that back that was the only time i used it <laughs> but um but other times, no, I, I tend to not use too much exposition. Like, um, like, uh, like her and him in particular. I'm mentioning a bunch of movies that most people haven't seen, but, <laughs> but, um, but for that one, like, I try. I, I didn't really like the idea of for that one in particular being like, you know, the audience being explained to like everything like word for word. I loved how you used visual storytelling and exposition in that film thank you i I really tried to make an effort Mm -hmm. because like i feel like uh like you know sometimes in the past like like i either don't use too much of it and i rely a little bit too much on dialogue i feel sometimes in the past and for this one i mean i mentioned before that this one i was really trying to make it you know i was really trying to go for something different that i hadn't done before Mm -hmm. in my other shorts but for that one i felt i felt it felt just right to not like you know explain the past for you know everyone and also to even uh to go so far as to keep the characters anonymous like if you notice like you know the characters of of the film they don't refer each other uh by their names and they're not credited as like you know like you know like a said name Mm -hmm. it's just like her and him Mm -hmm. because like i just felt like i just wanted you know to, to be like this moment in time where you're like kind of like peeking into this these two you know these two are like you know having this you know affair basically yeah and and it just kind of felt like that like that but like but for me anyways just to go back to the whole like film school thing 
I feel like, you know, if you're not really sure what you're doing, film school is good for that. But like uh, when it, in regards to like um, learning like uh, filmmaking, you could, you know, pretty much learn that just from watching movies or, and watching behind the scenes and all that, or, or just from looking up on the internet, you know, you could learn the same things. But, you know, but like if you're someone like me that you didn't know what you were doing, you know, going in, it's a film school is a pretty good way to figure it out, basically. Yeah. And like, I'll, I'll say some nice things about film school because I feel like I've been talking <laughs> on it too much. But um, yeah, P.T. Anderson, you're yeah. anti-film school. <laughs> uh, no, like I, I enjoyed my time in it. Like, uh, but the thing that's fascinating to me about film school was you, where you learn is not what you expected to learn. Like, mm. um, I like I had a film production class where I learned some stuff. A lot of it was just stuff like from you know on my own research and watching movies. But I took a history of motion pictures class, and not only did I just obviously learn about the history of motion pictures, but I learned about filmmaking from learning about how it all started. And and I think the key, what will make or break film school, is your professors. And I was lucky yeah. enough, I was lucky enough, I had three or four really great professors who I would always try to sign up for whatever class that they were teaching. And uh, my, my favorite class I ever took, it was an elective, and I think they only did it once. I'm not sure they might have done it again, but it was from one of my favorite professors. They offered a class solely dedicated to slashers. And it was uh, I had so- that too in my... <laughs> so fun and just like the crazy stuff you learn like um the attitudes in america like when the manson stuff was going on and how cinema reflected that and then how Mm. slashers changed and what was defined as horror changed it was all great but like and you think oh well how does that affect filmmaking everything because then you look at the world around you and go what are current attitudes about a subject and you can make it out of something which is what filmmakers were doing at the time. So no, I, I really, and I enjoyed my time in film school. I loved all of it. It's just, um, I, I guess it's because I, th- and I'm sure you've encountered this is there's those, uh, some students who let's just say, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a not too horrible way. Those kids, I'll say that, who just think they know everything who are pretentious as hell, who, you know, their opinion yeah. is the only one in the room that matters. And it, it was so annoying because I, I think this is just my personal philosophy. When you do anything, you should always assume that you're the dumbest person in the room because that way you're going to learn most. Mm. And I just got some of those people. And, and there were a couple of professors too who were just off the rocker. And, and like not, <laughs> not 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 even like not even in terms of what they were like personalities but there's some like i i took two writing classes one of them was really informative really helpful because they even went into like the structure of like screenplay structure because that was one thing i didn't know how to do i didn't know how to format a screenplay yeah and so, you know learning that was very helpful and then i had one teacher who was this is the one way to write if you don't write this right if you don't write this way you're writing incorrectly and if you're going to write something in my class i need to know that somehow you did it like this and it's like well that you're not you're discouraging creativity and because you know because i I know people who 
have to have like every aspect of their world, like down to like what color shoelaces they the person has on Fridays before they write a screenplay. And then I know some people who just start and then they work out the world as it unfolds. And both of those writers are excellent and do great yeah. work. And while there's one beneficial way to certain people and others, I feel like discouraging writing process, because even look at some of the greatest screenwriters ever, like Aaron Sorkin's writing process is much different than like Kevin Smith's writing process or Quentin Tarantino's yeah. writing process. Like just how people do things are very different. And, yeah. you know, and this is going to be a random ass sports analogy, but sure. uh, I, I played baseball for a long time and it was kind of like, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like, yeah, if a kid has like a weird batting stance, but he's doing great, don't bother him. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. ah, you look weird, but it's working for you. And it's just like, you know, something that happens in filmmaking too. And uh, yeah, sorry, that was a random, random thing there. But uh, not, not that random. End of the day, I love, I, I, I thoroughly did love film school. I just think that if you go into film school thinking it's going to solve every question and every problem you've ever had, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, you're, yeah. Because like you said, it's like the professors make or break it. Because like I had two professors that were great. And then I had another two that were good. And then the rest were okay. <laughs> and then there was one that was like, why, why are you even here? Yeah. Like, okay, I'm just going to mention the bad one real quick. I had an advanced post-production teacher that did not know how to use DaVinci Resolve and he's the one that's supposed to teach us how to use DaVinci Resolve it's like he was he was he was figuring it out with us he was like <laughs> let me you know go on Google look at the projection and we're gonna figure this out together and look at the instruction manual like that was him and I was like you're supposed to teach me and then to this day I still don't know how to use DaVinci Resolve because of this guy anyways so so, so that was the one but uh the great ones I had an editing, I had a different editing teacher who I wish to God taught the advanced post class that I, you know, I actually took. She, she basically, so she was like basically the, the intro editor editing class. And then she was also film editing too, I think. And she basically opened my eyes to film editing, basically. Like she basically showed me that like film editing is like, I mean, we mentioned like the saying, you know, like make or break it. Mm -hmm. She basically showed me that film editing is what makes or breaks a movie. Because like, yeah, you know, an editor doesn't have anything to do if you don't film anything. And also performances are a big thing, of course, and writing's a big thing. But if you don't edit it right, it's all for nothing. Mm -hmm. And she showed me that. And I'm like, and also she pretty much is responsible for like why like I actually enjoy film editing because like in my film school also like I'm like one of the only I'm like very like small group of people that like actually enjoy editing and everyone else in film school freaking hates editing they you know they they love like other things mm. like you know some people like visual effects some people like um you know like the like the equipment or whatever but like very few people like film editing from from my time in film school at least so like there's that and then another great one that he he taught my um film appreciation class so it's kind of like the history thing mm -hmm. and then he's also my uh he was also my screenwriting professor at the end i mean although he's a little iffy because like 
his whole thing was that he wanted you to write a certain way mm-hmm. like it had yeah. to be formatted like very technical well not technical but like but like he didn't want it to sound like a novel at all basically and oh, okay. and and then on the other hand yeah like the screenplay shouldn't read completely like a novel but at the same time like he wanted it to just be like very bare bones it was almost like an instruction manual the you know the the description lines or whatever and yeah. like but that's so boring to read yeah. and write yeah no like i like you, I, gotta, you gotta have some poetic significance in there a little bit yeah i, I mean like as soon as as soon as i was done with film school I, I mostly threw that away the only good thing i mean the, the only good screening thing he gave was like making sure that you know everything's in there for a reason and there shouldn't be any baggage in there mm-hmm. and also to proofread 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 and all that like you know and then make sure everything makes sense and he was the kind of professor that he would tell you like that's stupid like that doesn't even make any sense like why would he just like i don't know like like something like that like like, why is he growing a third foot that doesn't make any sense like something like that Mm -hmm. and then but the film appreciation class he was that that was for me his shining point because like you know like you know he took me all the way back to like the silent era Mm -hmm. and then all the way to you know like more like well i think he kind of stopped that the 80s you never really got past that point but you know but you know like that was also too like you mentioned like like you learn a lot from like you know seeing like how you know the pioneers did it in the beginning and then seeing how it carries over to you know more present day stuff and like you know and also trying to like get like some of the students who are like you know not exactly film buffs like to kind of see like oh you like this move like you like star wars well then you should like john ford you know westerns or you should mm-hmm. like kurosawa samurai, samurai films. Yep. yeah like you know you should like that and stuff like that and um <laughs> although it's funny because like that class really weeds out the people in there that think that okay there's the other type of students that that you know there's the students that think they know everything and then there's the students who are there because they think it's just like a free load and they think like you know like oh you know it's just like an easy a yep that teacher would weed them out really well because like you know like like we, we were watching uh the graduate although i mean although actually no that's a bad example because that was the that was the one older film that everyone was actually paying attention to because it's you know amazing that yeah. film oh yeah we were watching on the waterfront with marlon brando the okay. Ilya kazan film mm-hmm. that one i was like this is great <laughs> half the class was like on their phones like secretly trying to watch it like secretly on their phones and then he would like weed them out like you know give me your phone which i don't think he would go give me your phone because i think we're a little too old for that but he would just be like get out (laughs) i think that's it yeah god okay i'm (laughs) i am a very calm individual (laughs) like 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 when it comes to like being stressed or being aggravated Uh dude if i'm in a movie theater do not take your phone out and someone's yeah. on your phone like here's the thing 90% of the time hey man can you please put that away oh yeah 90% of the time yeah that, that's how it goes but then there's people who just think that they're better than everybody else and you go hey man can you please turn off your phone it's really distracting and they either don't answer you or say something snarky and keep going i've been in the po- okay this might be embarrassing but i was watching the 2017 power rangers movie cuz i was fucking 
something embarrassing. I saw it with my friends. We had the best time. And then I saw it again without my friends. Wasn't the same. Yes. Anyways, go on. <laughs> I know. I agree. Because like, I saw it with somebody who was a, like, grew up watching Power Rangers. So it was like. Yeah. 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 Not a great actor started off in that movie when you think about it. But uh, yeah. but anyway, dude in front of us was on, they were chatting. Like, I, I don't mind chatter if it's like quick, like, oh, he's from this. Quiet. Or like, yeah. Or like about the movie because it's all it's all part of the experience yeah. but like they were chatting about random stuff and they were on the phone and oh, dude, <sighs> I, I, I leaned forward and i was like hey man can you can you guys please stop like i'm trying to watch a movie didn't say anything but they stopped for a while <laughs> and then they started again and i just kind of grabbed their seats and put my head in between them and i was like shut Jeez. the fuck up shut the fuck up please stop or I'm gonna go get somebody like and it's just like I like that is one thing where because like I get it that some of the, of the general public don't see how disrespectful it is because like you know when, when you know yeah, how hard it is to make a movie and how long it is how long it takes like th- just watch the movie you know yeah and you know so I get some people don't understand how disrespectful it is but it's just like god like it's the one thing like if you want to get me zero to a hundred like have someone's like phone light pop up in a theater like my god or 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 no when the title comes on the screen and you see the flash of someone for snapchat like Uh, yeah that happened so many times or like that or like that you you remember that viral video that came out when force awakens came out the that like someone turned her flash on oh yeah he's like turn off the turn off the flash you fucking moron yeah that like that's that (laughs) well um well for me like uh i well yeah i think i'm a little too uh introverted to be like hey you know turn off the flat but like you know there are times where i'm like you know please can you be quiet or whatever mm-hmm. if anything my mom she's the one that has no filter <laughs> she was the one that'll yell from like like we'll be like all the way at the, like in like you know towards the top or wherever and then like she'll yell at someone that's like all the way at the bottom turn off your phone or whatever like she's the one that's like that i wish i was a little more like that yeah. in my uh, theaters even though if i was i would probably lead to a fight one day but you know who knows? <laughs> still like yeah i hate that like i mean yeah that's one thing obviously especially now with like our new appreciation of filmmaking you know people have spent months years even to make this movie and you're just going to be on your phone in the theater even though you paid to see it mm-hmm. So there's that, but it's also, you know, the audience experience. Like, it just completely ruins the immersion. If someone, mm-hmm. if you're like, wow, like I'm in space or whatever. Oh, wow, like this person's about to die. I'm so on the edge of my seat. And then all of a sudden, what are you doing? Could you turn that off, please? Yeah. You know, like, it's it sucks. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully, lately, that hasn't happened too much. Although, I mean, well, now it's like a whole other different thing. Because yeah. now, like, I think that's the, the only good thing about like the half capacity thing is that I feel like now like there's less people that are inclined to do that. Yeah, you're like the people that and, are coming, it's because they really like movies. Yeah, and then or like that, and then also like I, actually this weekend I just saw Minari in theaters, which was a beautiful oh, film. I haven't seen it. Yet. And we were, and me, my mom, and my brother were the only people in the theater. Nice. It was just us. I, I, well, actually, there was like an older couple, like behind us but they left after like five minutes in the movie maybe they were like i didn't know i had to read but i, I don't know 
but like what for whatever reason they left within five minutes of the movie and for the rest of the time it was literally just us and then the week before that i saw judas and the black messiah in theaters great movie which is great mm-hmm. also and uh it was just like five people in total there in the auditorium including me and my mom so so like yeah. this, so that's the good part but like but like when i saw like but even before that like when things were normal mm-hmm. like thankfully when i when i would go to the theater i would be lucky and there weren't a lot of people you know like on their phone or talking or if anything like if people were talking it was because we were watching a marvel movie and we we're all like cheering or going mm-hmm. like making jokes or whatever but like but that's fun like, yeah that, that's that's part, that's part of the audience experience that's part yeah. of it yeah and i miss that because like oh dude I, yeah because like we saw wonder woman in theaters the 1984 mm-hmm. uh, sorry but um but when we saw in theaters i i, I had this feeling of like melancholy because like you know it was filled to half capacity and there was like no i felt like there were no fans in there like no super fans like i mean then again like when i've seen dc movies in theaters like it's different from Mm -hmm. marvel movies because i think marvel movies i feel like it's more like like or at least i think it attracts more enthusiastic fans yeah well that 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 and like the mcu just like made it into the pop cultural zeitgeist to where like you you don't even have to be a marvel fan but you've seen these other movies so you're going to be excited while you're there yeah because like because like my favorite theater experiences of all time have probably been from the last two avengers movies Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna use this as a transition to our final topic because uh i was i wanted to talk about this the whole time i was finding the right place perfect segues uh (laughs) the theatrical movie going experience unlike anything Uh, unlike uh, anything and it's it's something i miss theaters like you are open near me as well so i still get to go but um i also saw wonder woman 1984 on the big screen wasn't i mean while i'm glad i got to see it on the big screen it wasn't the same without the super fans there because like dude the first wonder woman movie when that fucking no man's land scene happened everyone was going crazy and basically and you mentioned you know 2002 spider-man but you know to wrap this up what are some unforgettable theatrical movie going experiences that you've had well uh i guess well i I should start with my earliest one which i already you know described in Mm -hmm. detail um but actually both spider-man movies were kind of a big thing because like yeah because the first one well i remember more clearly but the second one i remember because uh i think we went to like a, like a, a, a fancier like amphitheater or something i, I feel mm-hmm. or at least if, or maybe that's just my child mind in like oh everything seems huge I, I don't know but um i remember my uncle met us at the theater to watch spider-man 2 and he got me like one of those like foam hand things but it was like spi- <laughs> but it was a spider-man hand going like this that's so cool and he gave it to me and i wore it and uh <laughs> Oh yeah, and the same thing when uh, my mom thought that Harry Osborn was gonna freaking uh, stab Spider-Man in the chest, and she started covering my eyes, and I was like, "Mom, oh my God, please take your hands <laughs> off my off my eyes. I want to see what happens." Yeah. Anyways, so I remember that. Um, okay, but okay. Fast forward after that, um, I remember Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I remember 
I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I remember at the time, I think that was the most amount of times I dragged my parents to go watch it multiple <laughs> times. I, I don't remember. I mean, although it's funny, because like now, like, I think it's like uh, my second least favorite Harry Potter, even though I still love it. I mean, like, you know, it's like picking your favorite child, but like, yeah, but like, I'm, like, it's like Chamber of Secrets is my least favorite now. And there's Goblet of Fire. Anyways, so but it's funny at the time it was like i love that movie to death like i watched it like i don't know how many times in theaters okay so there's that and then fast forward longer um well this one's kind of a mix but like it's kind of interesting uh interstellar i saw it in imax and my dad oh, okay so the theater that we go to like there's no like advanced seating like you have to wait in line and at the theater we go to you usually have to get there at least an hour early mm-hmm. because the line's going to fill up and those seats are going to fill. For, for whatever reason, my dad had this great idea that we park the car outside and just wait until the door is open there. And for some reason, I don't know why none of, like me and my brother didn't protest going like, uh, you know how this line is. We can't be here for whatever reason. I don't know. remember why. Anyways, it was a great mistake because we got like, because like the way it is is that stadium seating at the IMAX that we go to, and the screen, you know, it's the largest screen in South Florida. We sat in the second row to the front. Uh, so I basically had to like use my foot to like kind of like push my seat back so I could see like this. So like that was the bad part. But but the other half to it was the movie was so mind blowing to me. I think especially because I hadn't really watched 2001 yet. Mm-hmm. That movie was so mind blowing to me. And it transported me in a way that no other film had before at the time that it didn't even bother me. I mean, of course, you know, my neck, you know, definitely was sore the next day, but Mm -hmm. it was like, unlike anything else, like it it was incredible watching that film that way. And then, and then we saw, and another big one was Pacific Rim. We saw that in IMAX 3D. That one nice. was so much fun. Like me, like we all, like, yeah, like my, again, it was the, me, my brother, my dad, we all wanted to see it. And we were like kids. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, like for me, it was like, oh, like, you know, Power Rangers and my dad, like, you know, Voltron and all that. And it was just like, yeah, like that one was like some, it was like so immersive. Like, Guillermo del Toro, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that film was incredible. And then um, fast forward later, Force Awakens was pretty amazing. I mean, even though, unfortunately, looking back, it's like, damn, that was a wasted investment because of the Rise of Skywalker. I mean, I mean, I don't know how you feel about Rise of Skywalker, but no, but I'm not just, a fan. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. I'm really disappointed. Anyways, Force Awakens conversation theater, for another day. <laughs> another day, but the theater experience for the Force Awakens, I saw, like I said, I saw the IMAX 70 mil print and. It was incredible. It was so amazing, the feeling watching that. Like, it felt like, oh, this must have been what my dad must have felt like when he saw Star Wars in 77. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, like, I felt like a kid, like, because, like, Star Wars was such a big thing. My dad made sure that I saw Star Wars. Like, we had the VHS box set mm-hmm. of the original trilogy, and then, you know, we had the, the prequel movies, which I thought were amazing at the time, and now I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Well, um, but uh, yeah, like it was just like, it was like nothing else at the time. Like it felt like, you know, like you're getting a slice of heaven watching The Force Awakens for the first time. Like you're like, oh man, like 
I can't believe Star Wars can be this good again. And then, you know, they screw it up uh, five years later. But still, <laughs> like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, that was amazing. Um, and then, uh, like I just mentioned, the the last two Avengers movies, that was something to watch in IMAX with a theater full of fans. Although it's weird, like, when I would see in a different, in like a different theater, those, like the, the audience wasn't the same like the enthusiasm i i guess the real fans got imax i don't know yeah what it is in, in fort lauderdale but i remember infinity infinity war like you know how like hyped we all were like it was yeah it was like the biggest movie ever mm-hmm. and you know we're all we're excited the audience was excited we were all cheering laughing crying and then i remember the silence when the snap <laughs> happened the silence was deafening in that theater. Yeah, like that. Yeah, that was that was really something. Oh wait, wait, I forgot. I completely skipped over Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I don't know why I didn't. Why I skipped that? That was one of the. It's like one of the, it's one of the few like movies that weren't filmed in IMAX, but like in the end was the one of the best IMAX experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Like that was the like yeah like like pretty much both Blade Runner movies are responsible for me being a filmmaker and then that one was like like pretty much like put the nail in the coffin for me like yeah this is mm-hmm. this is what I'm gonna ride till I die on yeah like, and I right, I'm gonna say something controversial here oh I like I like the second one more and I love no no no, no. that's not that's not controversial yeah. like I honestly keep flip flopping between which one I like more because mm-hmm. like. Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner is one of those movies where you forget how good it is until you watch it again. And then yeah. and then and then you're halfway through watching it and you're like, fuck, this is good. <laughs> like you forget. Because yeah. like because yeah. then like there are some movies, like I've mentioned Dark Knight ad nauseum, but like that was the first IMAX movie I ever saw. I wish I'd seen an IMAX. Although that one was pretty influential on me because that was the movie I was like, oh, you can make movies like that? Yeah. And, and uh just God, I remember my audience when Heath Ledger did that pencil trick. <laughs> they they all went crazy. And like, yes, it's nuts. And like, but uh Dark Knight's one of those movies where every I watch it like a couple times a year. Yeah, me too. But every time I watch it, I go with I go in the mindset of like, all right, I'm ready to hate this movie. <laughs> and I don't know why, but it's just like I'm like, all right, maybe this movie is not as good as I remember it being. But like, nope, it's still great. <laughs> and you get like 45 minutes in and you're like, God damn, this is so good. Like, I, I, why did I even doubt that? And then like, yeah. I remember the first time I saw Inception in theaters. Mm. And dude, the- that was, that was a confusing time. The groans from the audience when that screen cut to black. Oh, I lived for, <laughs> lived for uh, it. And- uh, I don't really- uh, unfortunately, I don't remember my audience having a reaction to Inception, really. But Same. you know, I, but I remember I was like, "Man, I'm confused. <laughs> I need to watch it again." So we saw it again, and then I was like, "I get it a little bit more." And then every time I watch it, I get something new. Yeah, yeah. So it's and, yeah. yeah, and uh, it's cr- um I, the first movie I was ever in where the audience cheered, where I'm like, "Oh, you're allowed to do that!" Like I didn't even know it was a thing was when I was really young, but I saw X2, X-Men 2. Ah, uh, man, I wish, yeah. 
and it was when Wolverine stabs that dude through the fridge oh. and he's like screaming like that was the first time anyone in a theater was like yeah and like people clapped and I was like oh wow I didn't know you could do that at the movies and then yeah. uh I got addicted to that feeling and on the opposite end of the spectrum of emotion um I like people cry right <laughs> yeah as, as you mentioned was a blubbering mess during logan like i was gonna bring that up yeah and, and like because you know, like that that was one of those movies where like there were scenes where people were cheering, like dude when he went berserker mode and he's just running oh, yeah, through the we forest all, yeah <laughs> that was a good one I, I saw that in the normal that was the first time i was in a normal theater and everyone was like yeah and i was like i'm so filled with testosterone right now i yes. want to scream out yeah yes. that was great and, and then, then right after that and, and like it, the thing is i was i was cool right because like I'm, I'm a big x-men fan i'm like i was cool everything's fine we're fine and then for some reason my brain was like you know what would be funny if we suddenly reminded him of all the times he went to go see X-Men movies with his dad and with his family. And then so I started thinking about like every theatrical experience I had with X-Men and that got me crying. And then that son of a bitch, James Mangold <laughs> took the cross and turned it into an X. Yeah. That son of a bitch. Yeah. And I like, dude, it was silent. And suddenly you just hear me go, <laughs> And like people looked over and I'm just like a mess. <laughs> it was it was so oh, I, was a, I was a mess. Yeah, man. I was a mess before that. I was a mess when he was, you know, dying with you know mm -hmm. Laura holding his hand and all mm -hmm. that. I was like, I was I went to see it with my friends. We all were sobbing. And then my one of my friends, he brought his girlfriend. He had his girlfriend to freaking comfort him and was like, <laughs> he was like in her in her shoulder crying. And then, and then me and my friend were next to each other. And then I think my, I started sobbing. And then I think I started getting him sobbing because of that. He was like, oh God. <laughs> and then like, there, and then there's this like stranger, like and his family or something next to me. And he was kind of looking over like, damn. <laughs> yeah. I was like sobbing. It was, it was completely embarrassing, but like, it was the first time that's ever happened to oh, me in a movie theater. I've never sobbed like that in a movie theater. It was intense. Same. And uh, another one I'll cherish is um, I, I like whenever I can. And I got the one good thing about COVID is I got to see a lot of classic movies on the big screen now, but yeah. uh, right before COVID they were doing a fathom event for the Richard, the original Richard Donner Superman, which I love. And I'm like, oh, I get to see it on the big screen. Yes. Uh, and I, I literally was going like for myself, like forget everyone else in this auditorium. Like I want to see this movie on the big screen. But then okay. as I was there, it became very apparent that there, there was a family in front of me. It was just a mother, a father, and a child, probably like six or seven. And it became apparent like during the pre-show that the kid had never seen the movie before. So I got to watch a little kid see Superman for the first time at a movie theater. It was like everything you wanted to see the kid was doing. Like uh, when the heli when Lois Lane falls from the helicopter and then he catches her and then the John Williams music goes like that kid was like, yeah. And I was like, oh nice. man, this is so great. And uh, awesome. 
Yeah, and like you said, with Infinity War and Endgame, the two loudest cheers of like pure joy I've ever heard in a theater. One was in Infinity War when Thor landed at Wakanda. Comes back, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was that was crazy. Yeah, and then in Endgame when Captain America caught Mjolnir. That was in that was intense, and then. <laughs> But then, of course, they top it with the portal scene. That yes. was like, it was like a symphony of cheers and mm-hmm. clapping and mm-hmm. crying. It was like one of the most cathartic theatric experiences I've ever had. Because you're like, just like wide-eyed with a big smile and mm-hmm. tears streaming down your face. Because it's like, this mm-hmm. is everything I've ever wanted to see as a kid. Yep. And yeah. I saw that movie on, I saw it three times, I think, in theaters. And I would have seen it more, but it was just so fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> and uh there's uh uh the first time i saw it i saw it with a group of friends and of my group of friends there was a girl who her favorite was captain america mm. and she loves the first captain america movie and in the car like mentioned on like before arriving like you know it's just it's just so sad he never got his dance and then <laughs> dude dude when the camera cuts and dude she like logan cried like when i was like she just lost it crying and it was so just heartwarming like how happy she was and then the the Mm. second time i saw it i saw it with my mom because i you know i dragged her to see it her (laughs) favorite anything ever is iron man Mm. And so I knew going in, I'm like, this is not going to end well for my mom. So I, I I know, I know. And I I was sitting there and here's the thing. It's not just the fact that he dies, right? The light goes out. Like, like that, like that was like the, oh, when you see that and my mom was a mess (laughs) and I I feel like I'm laughing at her, but just like, I, I like when I like manipulate people into having the theater experience and that's totally what I did. <laughs> it's just like, mm. you're going to watch this movie and you're going to like react to it. Yeah. And yeah, no, yeah. it was, it was insane, dude. God, I just love movies and movie theaters. Yeah. My brother uh, reacted stronger to Iron Man dying than when Logan died. It's kind of funny. Like, I, I don't know why. Like, I never really considered myself before to be, like, a diehard X-Men fan. Like, I thought, mm-hmm. like, I think I'm definitely more, like, MCU. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, I think it's just the scene, I guess, and the direction. Oh, yeah. But, like, Dude. the the, the Lo- Logan dying killed me. And, I, I mean, I remember, of course, I was upset and I cried. But my brother, he was the one, he was sobbing. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. like, uh, we, you know, you know, like everyone like most everyone we grew up watching iron man mm-hmm. i remember seeing iron man in theaters mm-hmm. and seeing it like multiple times <laughs> yeah dude i remember seeing incredible hulk because like when iron man had a post-credit scene like i wasn't like huge mm. on the internet at the time so i i missed it i missed it too i didn't even know and then i saw incredible hulk and motherfucking iron man was at the end and i was like wait a second and then that <laughs> that's when you go on the internet connect and then someone's like, there's a post-credit scene after Iron Man. I'm like, what? So I got my DVD of Iron Man. I popped it in and it's Nick Fury. And I'm like, oh, what? And it was just like, I remember doing that. It was so, so fun. And uh, I think we figured it out the same way. That's funny. Because yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know for a while. And then I saw Iron Incredible Hulk. I was like, huh? And then I was like, wait, what? 
wait, he hinted at this? What? And then, yeah, then you go back to like, this is the best end credit scene ever. Yeah. 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 No, it's, uh, yeah. God, the magic, the magic of the movies, man. Yeah. It's nothing else and like. And then, yeah. And then, um, I was going to mention that, uh, that what that well i already well i already mentioned tenant like you know it was a nice like welcome back because i saw the print but i was gonna mention that like watching like older movies like i mentioned 2001 but like watching old like older movies that you didn't get to see in theaters mm-hmm. the release is really interesting although like unfortunately that haven't been the best experiences i mean except for 2001 mm-hmm. but like um i found that like like when i go to see them in theaters and it's like an older movie like i feel like that's when like the people that like you know freaking ruin your experience with like having a phone or talking mm-hmm. they they always show up to those mm-hmm. like i watched apocalypse now in imax when they re- when they released the final cut mm-hmm. last year and there was this guy that would not stop talking and this guy in front of him freaking threatened him he like turned back in his seat he's like like, can you like shut the fuck up before I beat the piss out of you? It was like this old guy that he looked like he fought in Vietnam too or something. Yeah. It was like this old guy with like long white hair and he turned around in his seat and he's like, can you shut the fuck up? And then thankfully he shut up. But like, actually, well, thankfully he shut up just in time for, uh, I don't know, uh, you seen Apocalypse now? Mm-hmm. You know, the the scene when they, they stop at the, the bridge and it's night and the flares are going around. Thankfully, the audience shut up for that. Because that was the one scene I was like, please, I don't want to hear anything except for the movie when that mm-hmm. part comes on. Yeah. And thankfully they did. And it was great, you know, overall. But like I saw like I saw Blade Runner in theaters and I saw The Matrix in theaters. And in The Matrix, I I, I was like, yes, finally. People were on their phones oh, and talking. God. It ruined it for me. I was like, I should have just stayed fucking home. Yeah. And then and Blade Runner there was like one person on their phone but like thankfully it was just for a little bit mm-hmm. but like uh, yeah it's just it kind of sucks that like I feel like like those like why are you gonna <laughs> why are you gonna show up to watch this movie you know re-release in theaters if you're just gonna be on your phone the whole time like because you're making me feel like I should have just stayed at home and just watched it on Netflix or wherever which is probably what I could have done but I wanted to because I want to see it the way it's supposed to be seen exactly and but uh, like you're ruining for me like why are you doing that you could have just done that at home yeah yeah no i know exactly what you mean because like uh, the movies that i hate that get ruined the most are horror movies like people who are talking or laughing or try, like talking at the screen mm. that gets annoying when it's on a grand scale like if you do it once because it's a scary part happened like whatever Excuse but me. like when people are continually talking it drives me crazy but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like they're doing that because they're scared shitless. So I guess the movie worked. But but yeah. but at the same time, it just I I I want to be like fully f- fucked up when I watch a horror movie. Like I want to be like scared. And uh, I, uh, last thing, a couple of theater experiences. It's ones I didn't expect to have great reactions, and then they did. One of them mm. was Ready or Not. I love that movie. And the end of that movie, people <laughs> yeah. were clapping and cheering. Amazing. Like, that was such a fun experience. And then... That was a fun movie. Yeah. Um, another one was uh, Joker 
it was silent the whole movie, but as soon as the end popped up, just standing ovations, which you don't mm. see very often at like a regular screening. So I was like, that that was very cool to see. And you know, and and sometimes uh even if it's not for me, like I saw Star Trek Beyond in theaters and I like Star Trek, but I'm more of a casual Star Trek fan. I don't, I'm not yeah, like a Trekkie by any stretch of I the just, imagination. I just really like the J.J. Abrams ones. Honestly. Yeah. And I saw Star Trek Beyond and there was a huge Star Trek fan in the theater. <laughs> and just watching them watch the movie was worth the price of admission. Mm. And yeah, but yeah, no, it's, or, or yeah. like the last 10 minutes of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in a theater was yeah ridiculous. oh that's another i forgot to add that to my list i saw the 70 mil print of that and i saw it at the cinerama oh, dome but 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 there was a trade-off the ac didn't work i don't think that day because we were <laughs> boiling in our seats like i was like i like like we, we started i was a little bit damp and then by the end when like you know at the end of the movie my shirt was like <laughs> v- was wet because i was like because like i was already hot and then like the stress kicked in because like you didn't know if like they were gonna make it or not mm-hmm. i was like sweating and my mom pretty much my parents hated the experience they were like oh my god i just want to leave i don't care about that stupid movie i'm hot i'm uncomfortable i'm sweating but like uh but at the so like yeah that was a little bit of like kind of like you know took away from it a little bit because it was yeah it was really uncomfortable but at the same time it kind of did add to the experience a bit because like Tarantino movies they always feel like really hot and you always feel the atmosphere in his movies like mm-hmm. I'm like that's something I've kind of noticed like whether it's hot or cold like you know hatefully yeah but um which you know I mentioned I didn't get to see the print of it but I saw it in theaters and it was it was the first Tarantino film I saw in theaters so it was really it was really cool anyways so once upon a time, we saw, we actually got to be at the Cinerama Dome, and uh, oh yeah, Stephen Merchant was there oh, from uh, bastard. <laughs> well, I, I saw him like he was like talking with like his wife and like some like fan, I guess. But like, mm-hmm. but it's funny we we're all in the line together, and like, um, so we all saw it, and like, yeah, like the like everyone in that theater was a Tarantino fan, like. And then also, I guess, an L.A. fan, I guess, because, like, there is that montage where, like, you know, it's night and all the lights turn on and all the shops and all that. And then they show the Cinerama Dome. Mm-hmm. Round of applause. And then everyone was, like, you know, like, you know, everyone was laughing. People clapped when the title card came up, uh, a film by Quentin Tarantino at the beginning. Like, that's how, when I saw that and then I heard the reaction, I was like, oh, everyone here loves Tarantino. Yeah. yeah. And then... Um, and then, yeah, and then, and then also another hint that everyone was a Tarantino fan was, you know, the the mint credit scene with yes. the red apple, red apple yep. tobacco commercial. Everyone was dying laughing when he said, "Get some red apple tobacco." Everyone got it, and my and then my parents were like, "Huh?" <laughs> but like, but yeah, like so that was fun, even though like yeah, but but that was the thing. Like, I don't know if that's how the theater is, because like I understand like you know it's old, but like. Mm-hmm. I would think they would have AC in there. Like, I mean, it was like painful, honestly, because it was in the middle of summer when we were there. Mm-hmm. You know, so but but okay, but but that that's the last one I'm gonna mention. The that was a really, I mean, again, like we understand there was there was a bit of a trade off, but mm-hmm. but you know, watching a Tarantino movie with a bunch of Tarantino fans was awesome. 
so cool so cool well dude this was so much fucking fun thank you so much for coming on here and doing this i'm we're definitely going to do this again at some point and uh but before you go uh go ahead and tell the good people where they can find your films where they can find you and um just you know plug yourself do all the things okay i'm gonna plug myself okay so uh thanks for having me first of all uh, yeah this was really fun um you can find my um you can follow me on instagram or twitter uh my instagram is electric dreaming 1982 and then my uh Twitter handle is electric dream i electric dream i1 and then you can find my short films on my YouTube channel which is under electric dreaming and then you can also find my short films on uh, Vimeo which is under my name uh, Julian Morales Awesome awesome again bro thank you so much for doing this we're definitely going to do this again and uh yeah man thanks so much have a good one <laughs> Thanks, you too. Thank you for having me. This was fun.